a day later. After weeks of pressure, the government has agreed to accept some of the most vulnerable refugees from the conflict in Syria. The number is likely to be in the hundreds, but Britain is not signing up to take a quota of refugees under a United Nations scheme to resettle up to 30,000 Syrians in Western countries. The number of trains per hour from Bedford to Brighton is set to halve this year. It's because of engineering works, but commuters are angry about cuts to the service. Sophie Saluria reports. Just two trains an hour will run all the way to Brighton on the Thameslink line because of major engineering work at London Bridge. There will still be four trains an hour into London, but half of them will go to Elephant and Castle instead. Campaigners want the through trains to keep running. The changes, which would come into force in December, would make journeys difficult for people who work in Croydon and holidaymakers heading to Gatwick. Ten birds, including a swan, have been found dead near the canal in Wendover, near Aylesbury. A member of the public found the mute swan, two mallard ducks and seven more hens by the Grand Union Canal on Saturday. A pellet was found in the body of one of the birds. Police say there was a group of ramblers in the area and it's a popular route for dog walkers and are appealing for people to come forward with information. Takings from small shops in Bedfordshire have been stolen in a robbery in Sundon. Two men attacked the driver of a small white van who'd been collecting the money from shops in Biggleswade and Stevenage before heading back to his own store in Houghton Regis. Gail Sanderson reports. The man's van was rammed from behind as he drove through Sundon last Saturday lunchtime. He got out and was punched in the face by the driver of the other car. His keys were taken and £9,000 stolen from the back of his van. The car they used a Volkswagen Golf was later found burnt out in a garage block off Kinross Crescent in Luton. In football, MK Don suffered defeat by Carlisle 3-0 in their League One away match last night. It was also defeat for Wickham Wanderers, who lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth in League Two. The Stevenage game at home to Crewe was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch. The weather, showers or longer spells of rain, with a chance of snow over the Chilterns. Temperatures up to 7 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounters. Across beds, hearts. Oh, up. whoa! This is BBC. Whoa, 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 whoa! Sort your levs out. No, forget the levs. Do you not know what just happened? Stop picking your nose. I'm not. It's my piercing. It's gone a bit scabby today, isn't it? It's a bit sore, yeah. Yeah. Um, on her nose. Uh, did you not just hear what happened then? You hit the wrong thing. No, I didn't hit the wrong thing. The levels weren't right. Forget the levs. I hit the thing twice. So the show has not officially started. We are in some kind of limbo. This is still technically... Morning outbreaks of showery rain. Wally Webb show. (laughs) We're gatecrashing Wally Webb. West. He's thinking across. I've not heard him past six. He gets gets a bit blue after six. That's why we drop him. I was thinking that. So we're going to start the show again. Yep. You ready? Yep. And are my legs okay? Should I do the news bit? Yeah, go, go. And that's your latest news. I'm Jane Killick. Oh, no, 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 Right. Are you all right? No, I'm not all right. I'm a little bit of the old... you set off that thing that happens when you play travel. No. OK, well, that means we've got more listeners, so they can hear this. Say something really good, then. Some of them could be heavy at times on the... Tick your rage yard diaries. Now. Oh, I didn't do the news bit. Sorry. That was the wrong bit anyway. Right, OK, go. Are you ready? Yeah. And that's your latest news. I'm Jane Killick. Boom. Boom. Thank you, Jane. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning. 
including a police watchdog, has found that Thames Valley was lax in its approach to the disappearance of a vulnerable man in 2011. Sean Elliott's family say his history of mental illness and substance abuse meant he was written off. The IPCC agreed officers failed to follow procedure quickly enough. The technical college seems to be on the up. The emphasis is shifting from academic degrees to vocational courses. Sounds like a plan, Stan. Facebook.com, etc., etc., etc. 81 whatever you like it to be, and 08459 455555. See, three counties. That's oh, the radio. wrong. It's the wrong thing. Right. No, no. Basically, the computer is completely muffed up now. Shall I come in and sort it out? No, you can do it from there. Oh, OK, hold on. Just drag everything in, into its position while I play a little yes. bit of Marvin Gaye. OK. Which one? I'll, I'll do that. How sweet it is, Catherine. Oh, that's, oh, nice. that's nice. Sort out the computer! How sweet it is to be loved by you. Yes, baby. I think we've got the computers. Is the computer sorted out, Kelly? Yes, please. 
Deary me. 08459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number this morning. We're talking about technical colleges a little bit later on in the show, but before that, very sad story. The family of a man who died after disappearing from a Wickham care home say they've been badly let down by Thames Valley Police. Sean Elliott was mentally ill with a history of drug and alcohol abuse. His relatives believe his case was treated with less urgency as a result of that. That feeling's been backed up by a critical report by police watchdogs. Well, Catherine Boyle's been looking into this. Catherine, what happened? Well, Sean set out for a class to help him deal with his dyslexia on the 6th of July 2011. And despite being due back at the care home on Hawthorne Road that afternoon, he didn't return. It was two days later that staff at the care home reported him missing. And that's a delay that Sean's family failed to understand, as he wasn't the sort of person to go off without calling to check in either with the home or a family member to say that his plans had changed. He was able to come and go. It wasn't the sort of care home where you had to stay sitting in your room all day. Mm. His sister says on the day he went missing, he was due back for a cookery class, which he was really keen on and just wouldn't have skipped. It was completely out of character. Now, we've, uh, Sean had mental illness, drug and alcohol abuse. What, what, what exactly right. do we know about He'd him? been living at Hawthorne House for a year where he was being helped to deal with... He had learning difficulties as well as a number of mental health problems. He had dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, but the mental health problems had led to his self-harming and suicidal thoughts in the past. And if we add to that, that history of drug and alcohol abuse, his sister says that drinking was the biggest problem problem of those two but there has been a history of drug and alcohol abuse and you get the picture of a really vulnerable mm. person um, Claire his sister who we'll be speaking to later says he wasn't living at Hawthorne House for nothing he needed taken care of so what happened then well according to his family very little because Sean's brother apparently gave the name of a man an associate less than a, less of a friend than an associate who'd been involved in Sean's drug taking in the past he gave the name of that man to the police very very early on according to the family and they say it just wasn't followed up Sean's sister said that she went to the police police station and begged them to take the case more seriously and at one point she was told that the investigation had ground to a halt because it was the weekend and no officers oh, were available. So nothing happened for the family until the 10th of July when the man who'd been named by Sean's brother early on has called an ambulance for an unconscious Sean who was found to have had a cardiac arrest at the flat of this gentleman. Sean's sister Claire told us that paramedics worked on Sean for 45 minutes there and although they did manage to resuscitate him he'd suffered huge organ failure and brain damage at that point and she and the rest of the family had to make the very painful decision to turn off life support the following day. Oh dear, so what does the IPCC report say? Well it found that eight Thames Valley police officers failed to comply with force policies. Key actions and checks were not carried out in a timely and thorough manner. Basic investigative steps were not carried out correctly and there was a lack of supervision and a lax approach by senior officers. Apparently decisions, as is according to the report, decisions were based on assumption rather than fact and proposed actions and decisions around Sean's risk assessment and the rationale for not escalating it to high risk were not documented. That's according to the report. Four officers have been given management advice. Management advice? It's an interesting term, isn't it? Gosh, if, if anyone can clarify what management advice actually means, 08459 double. Five, five, double five. What's been the reaction of the family? Well, of course, nothing can bring Sean back, but the family have welcomed the Independent Police Complaints Commission report because it backs up what they say. They say they repeatedly told the police that Sean was high risk and he needed to be escalated as such, but they were told that there was little they could do because he was only categorised as medium risk. They knew all along that Thames Valley Police hadn't carried out their policies and procedures. That's what Claire's told us. And she also has told us that no one has been held properly accountable for what happened and the officers in the case have... Not, should have been given harsher punishment. And how have Thames Valley repi- uh, Police responded to the IPCC report? We asked them to come on. 
Um, we asked Thames Valley Police and mm. the Police Crime Commissioner's Office. No one available this morning. They have issued a statement oh, instead, yeah. uh, which says, We acknowledge the findings of the IPCC and now considering their recommendations for improvement. Indeed, many of the recommendations made in their final report have already been acted Good upon. Good for them. Well, it, it, it's not, not in time for Sean, is it? Well, and they say at the heart of this incident lies the tragic death of Sean Elliott and our condolences and thoughts continue to be with his so family. the fam, and we'll be speaking to, is it the sister we're speaking yes. to later on? They seem to think that because Sean was troubled, the, the police didn't take it quite as seriously. I've heard Claire say that if it had been her that had gone missing, right, she'd have okay. been all over the news. Well, we'll put that to her. Thank you very much, Catherine. Very sad story indeed. I'll see you a bit later on for the papers. 08459 455 555. If there is anybody who has worked for or with or in the police, four officers have been given management advice for misconduct. That means... Am I right in thinking that means Nothing. Management advice. I get management advice. I did an interview the other week that may or may not have been a little bit um, dog with a bone. Uh, my manager said, mm, maybe you could have held back a bit there. That's management advice. It wasn't a telling off. It was just a, a gentle, you know, the, the, the prod. 08459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number. If you want to give us a call, lots of other bits and pieces this morning. We're struggling, we're struggling, we're struggling to find something for Justin Dealey to do this morning. Mainly because his technicals aren't, aren't working. So the, he normally drives around in a BBC Three Counties car, radio car. The power steering's gone. I'm not saying it's his fault, but it's a coincidence. Then he has a... It, it, sometimes um, Justin has a woody first thing in the morning, doesn't he? He does, yeah. It, it's an old-fashioned thing, but it works. And it, quite often he'll, you'll see him running around Luton with his woody out mm-hmm. um, and shoving it in the face of uh, people walking past. But his, his woody is down today. Well, you've got to be careful. It doesn't work everywhere. And, and the cold weather can sometimes affect a woody. It needs to be in line of sight of the aerial. OK, so his woody's down. So basically... It's a technical. Uh, so, so basically, all, all he's got is his phone... A microphone that he can record stuff on in a, a darn good attitude. <laughs> and that's it. No stories or anything. So, uh, you know, any suggestions you've got for uh, J Dizzle, 08459 It's 6.15. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's looking pretty miserable out there on the cameras. It is extremely wet, so if you have roads near you that are prone to flooding, they may be affected this morning. In Tiddington, Sandy Lane still has flooding between Oxford Road and the Old London Road. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. 6.15, it's uh, Monday, whoa, Wednesday, the 29th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four police officers have been disciplined for not acting on reports of a missing man from High Wycombe who was later found dead. Britain is to take hundreds of refugees from the conflict in Syria. In football, Milton Keynes lost last night 3-0 away to Carlisle. Wycombe also lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. The weather, rain or showers with perhaps a little snow in places. What? 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 I'm getting my sledge out. Oh, man alive. That's the best news I've heard in ages. BBC's Three Counties Radio. It's all in the timing.
morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm having a row with my producer about the definition of... Polytechnic and Technical College. Are different. It would appear so. Yes. Do many of us know what the difference is? Yes, a, po- a polytechnic is... Well, they're all universities now. It's kind of like a low-grade university. Technical College is more... But I thought they more... focused on my vocational No, 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 no. Really? I went to a university that was once a polytechnic. And I learned, I did a course that had no vocational qualifications whatsoever. Right. So we're talking about the rise of vocational courses rather than the rise of technical techs. Well, no. The return of techs. No. It's t- because it's a technical... Should we, spe- should we speak ask to... Ask Bev our- Flanagan. We'll ask Bev. Let's- Bev. Yes, hello. Good morning. Mo- morning, Bev. We've, morning. Catherine and I have been arguing furiously, like a cat and indeed dog. I won't say who's the dog. <laughs> but uh, what's the difference between a technical college and a polytechnic? Do you know? OK, well, you're on the right track, I yes. have to say. Um, the polytechnics, as you say, uh, a lot of them are now universities. And it doesn't necessarily mean they specialise in vocational courses. Um, the old technical colleges, many yep. years ago, used to be uh, really based around um, things like engineering and um, construction and things like like that. That's the old technical college. Right, now, the reason we've got you on, Bev, is because you are the principal of Bucks University Technical College. Yes. Uh, and, and technical colleges and, and vocational courses are kind of making a comeback. Is that right? Yes. Um, there is a bit of a distinct difference between technical, course, technical colleges and vocational colleges. OK, go on, explain um, that. Ours, for example, the University Technical Colleges only has two specialisms, um, and that's construction and IT. Okay. But it also carries a full academic programme, so it has GCSEs for the 14-year-olds. That's the difference. We can take them at 14. And it has A-levels alongside their technical qualifications when they're 16. So it's a, a slightly different take on technical colleges, but it's designed for people who want to learn through a passion in a particular subject. And because uh, w- w- when Labour are in power, and perhaps even before that for a little bit, um, it- it's all about degrees. You have to go to university and get a degree. Yeah. A- and you're saying that that's not necessarily the case. There are no, other because, options. Yeah, because what's happened is, is that there's now a shortage of technicians, um, site managers in construction, um, people that actually do the work and actually have to be highly qualified mm. to do the work. Because if you think of computing and IT these days, it's very high level with Cisco and coding and programming. You've still got to be good at your maths and things like that. So there's a, a, a big gap that's opened up where technicians are desperately needed in our world of work and they're very well-paid jobs, I have to say. So what's going on at Bucks University Technical College today, then? Uh, well, today we have our official opening and we have His Royal Highness the Duke of York who is coming to open us. Um, he did actually come about a year ago when it was uh, just a building site. Oh. Uh, and so today we're in our second term uh, and he will meet the students and he will see what they're up to and he will officially open us today. Do you get to hang out with him? I do. That's, ex- that's <laughs> got to be exciting, isn't it? It's very exciting. Did you phone yeah. up all your friends and family and say, oh, you're never going to believe who I'm going uh, hanging out with next week? It must be, it must be a real thrill. Yes, they're all jealous. Yeah, I bet they are. <laughs> so what do you think local employers are looking for? What, what, what are we missing at the moment? Well, they're missing the real employability skills. So our young people 
people, um, they work a, a long day at the UTC. They work 8.30 till 5, which is oh like a working day. Yes. They also have to come dressed for business, so they wear a business suit. Not a uniform, I hasten to add, but a business suit. And we're very hot on the dress code and making sure that they look uh, business-like. And do and they, I suppose they're there by choice, but do, they, do any of them get a bit stroppy about that, try and rebel with purple shoelaces and things like that? Well, they soon learn that they can't. Good, good for you. <laughs> I mean, in the early days, it was a big transition, particularly for a 14-year-old yeah. who they're used to a, school, a short school day, and then they're coming in for all these extra hours. They're treated like adults so we have no room that's called a classroom they're all workshops and laboratories mm. and um, um, theory areas uh, and there's no bell so they are treated like adults but equally they are expected to behave like adults well it sounds good you've got this structure so often we do phone-ins and we get lots of employers phoning mm. up and saying well you know the reason we employ so many foreign people mm. is because they come in early they mm. go late they, mm. they know the routine and we hear so many stories of, of english british yeah. young people who turn up for a day and mm. then don't bother the phone in sick the next day or turn up an hour late exactly Th- that, that attitude seems it- to be missing or, or seems to be declining doesn't it absolutely and and this is why sometimes it is a culture shock for the young people when they come to the UTC but it only takes them two or three weeks to settle down into the fact that actually this is what employers want and because they're working alongside employers because all our curriculum is based on employer needs and they are shaping the curriculum they find that you know they're they're equally they have to impress the employers because they are going to employ them at some point so what what employers are you working with Bev well our main sponsors are Taylor Wimpy um, we have Esri UK, who are based in Aylesbury, uh, McAfee, the security um, people, and we have Cisco. So they're our major um, sponsor partners. We also have Bucks New University and Aylesbury College as the educational um, sponsors. Uh, and in addition, we've got about 25 other employers, which include people like the National Trust and the Churches Trust for our heritage specialism. Well, listen, it sounds like uh, great work that you're doing there, Bev. I wish you the best of luck today. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, we're looking forward to it. Try not to get tipsy in front of the royals, (laughs) unless they get tipsy first. Do you have have someone who comes round a week before and tells you the etiquette and what you have to do? It's about a month before you go through it, yes, yes. How funny. We have to make sure that, you know, everything is uh, secure and, um, you know, but we're looking forward to it. It's the students are very excited. They are. They've got presentations and things to, to show him and, and it's going to be great. Well, it's yeah. a great opportunity, Bev. I wish you the very best of luck. Bev Flanagan, Principal of Bucks University Technical College. Did you go for a degree and then regret it and wish you'd done something a little bit more practical? Did you get an apprenticeship? How did that shape your life and your career. 08459 455 555. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. But it's flat rag, so join me home.
rock and roller. Seriously. Great record, but the world's oldest and, uh, dare I say it, boldest rock and roller. There were whole things of kids listening to this record, thinking it was fantastic. Then Bill Haley comes over and does a tour, and they're all like, who's the granddad on the stage? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with the cameras, things looking extremely wet this morning on the M40 around Junction 1A and 2. Then on the speed sensors, busy but moving on the A5 in both directions as you approach Dunstable. That's around the A505. Public transport all looking good. We've got no reported problems there. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. I'll be looking at the papers with Catherine in a few minutes. If you want to take part, give us a call. You're more than welcome. Let's get the news now at 6.30 with Jane Killick. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Four police officers have been disciplined over the death of a vulnerable man in Buckinghamshire. Sean Elliott died after going missing from a care home in High Wycombe in 2011. Ministers have decided to allow some of the most vulnerable refugees from the Syrian conflict to come to the UK. The number is likely to be in the hundreds. Ten birds, including a swan, have been found dead near the canal in Wendover in Aylesbury. A member of the public found the mute swan, two mallard ducks and seven more hens by the Grand Union Canal on Saturday. The weather, showery rain this morning will clear away, feeling cold in the breeze with a high of 6 Celsius. Under sport and in football, Milton Keynes Dons suffered another defeat last night in League One, losing 3-0 away to Carlisle. MK Dons manager Carl Robinson was frustrated with the performance. The players let themselves down, not the club, not the fans, the players today. And they know that. I can't come out here and tell you lies and think that's good enough or he was good. I think there's only one or two in that team that could say, someone turned around and said, is anybody going to say anything? And Stephen Gleeson's opening line, I don't mind this getting out. Stephen Gleeson went, how can I ever go when I was poor? Also in League One, the Stevenage game at home to Crewe was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. League Two side Wickham Wanderers also suffered another defeat, losing 1-0 at home to Portsmouth last night. Wickham manager Gareth Ainsworth was positive despite the defeat. The boy Reese Stash was uh, outstanding up front. I thought he held the ball up absolutely fantastic and uh, he's done what I brought him in for. Andy Jeffrey came on, injected a bit of pace. Not as good as he was at, at Mansfield, but there's more to come from him as well. I think we've got a, we're getting the makings of a good squad here and uh, don't look at the league position, look at the performances because I think that um, we're going to turn someone over in a big way soon. In the conference, Luton remained three points clear at the top after second place Cambridge lost 2-1 to Grimsby. In the Premier League, Leeds' Arsenal drew two all at Southampton. Manchester United won two nil at home to Cardiff, and the Merseyside derby ended Liverpool four, Everton nil. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at seven. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Uh, we've got a Gabrielle. I quite like Gabrielle. I miss her, miss her smoky voice and her one-eyed uh, delivery. I'm not sure if dreams is the way to go. I'm just thinking we've got another Gabrielle. That's all she had, wasn't no, it? No, right. Oh, no, she had the... Out of woman, reach so far. OK, the ones we've got. Oh, no, oh, no, this is, this is a good one. Hang on. What, what do you reckon to this one? This, I like this one. Hang on. Let's play a bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Should we have this one? Yeah. Says the very first time that I saw your brown eyes. Well, she's oh. only got one. Well, maybe oh. she flipped it open. Let's have this. E17. You'd have to start from the beginning because you oh. crashed the vocals. Oh, it you wasn't really a vocal, really... was it? It was a whoa. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know if I've told you guys. You remember when James Whalen was banging on about the Goss Brothers? Who? Yes. I uh, am friends with Tony Mortimer. Are you for real? Well, I mean, yes. When you say friends. Well... You know where he lives. He invited me to to an E17 concert once and I went. And did you meet him afterwards? Did he invite you or was he on the radio saying, we're doing a concert, come along? Well, no. (laughs) Hey, listen, I I could... It doesn't sound like you were friends with him. Right, do you want Tony Mortimer on the show today? Uh, Yeah. You don't want it tomorrow? Well, whenever. So you want Tony Mortimer whenever? Well, uh, this week. This week, this week. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Hey. Oh yeah. Come on. The world. Yeah. If you will but Hey. Mama, mama. The very first time. Your lips said hello and I said hi I knew right there you were the one But I was caught up in physical attraction But to my satisfaction Maybe you were more than just a friend Attraction, 
Chrissy on Twitter. You're listening to the right show. Chrissy writes, Am I listening to the right show this morning? Ian Lee, BBC 3CR, hashtag E17, hashtag Gabrielle. I'm going to get up at 6.30 in, instead of 7.30. Oh, is that, is, that a good, is that a good or a bad thing? I can't work I it mean, out. I they're still missing the first half hour, which, you know, is usually the but best. Did she, but hang on, I'm confused. Would she normally be lying in bed listening to us until 7.30? Or, is or the, not listening. Or... Or not listening, yeah. or is the music is the music so good that she's getting up, yeah, or it's so bad that she's getting up? My mate Sanch, Chrissy, we need answers. My mate Sanch didn't realise that we played music, and when I said we did, she said, "Oh, I might get up." I don't think she's getting up earlier, no. but she's thinking about it. Well, listen, w- w- my credentials have been uh, in doubt. Uh, I have sent a uh, personal message to my good friend Tony Mortimer. When you say personal, a text. Yes. I've seen it. It's on Twitter. Right. I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it in how Ian would say it. Uh, hey Tony, how's it going? I've can told- I just say, can, uh, why would I, why do I sound so desperate in your voice? Um, uh, huh? I've told. Why my, am I sounding desperate, guys? I've told my friends, which you can use that loosely. I've told my friends at BBC Three CR that we are mates. So, uh, can you come on my radio show this week? I like that you call it your radio show. Yeah. Well, yeah. technically, it is my radio show. I could have mm. either of you fired at any moment if you well. didn't have all the evidence against me yeah. uh, in your personal files. Uh, but I've, I've sent the message to Tony Mortimer of E17. I might send him one. Don't. Is that what constitutes friendship? No, why would you do that? Should we have a look at the papers? Yeah. What you got? Well, I've been mesmerised by this the last few days, the Sun story of the Exor kids. Oh. Have you heard this? No, go on. Um, that, that fact, woman, I've seen the picture of the woman, though, who's shocked because she's seen a ghost. The Mail has been covering it quite a lot, and yesterday, last night, they put a video on, and I watched the video... <laughs> Um, and I don't really believe in ghosts, but no. there was one bit of audio that I couldn't watch because apparently you hear something go, hey, and I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't want to hear that. Ghosts don't exist. I might listen later. Um, I once had a record. Uh, did you remember the Unexplained magazine? The Unexplained. Yes. I used to love the Unexplained. So did I. My great, granddad used to buy me great that. Great magazine. And once it came with a free flexi disc of dead people talking from beyond the grave. Now, my sister and her... I was We should just probably 14. explain flexi-disc. <laughs> Little plastic records you got free with magazines in the 80s. I was 14. My sister, who would have been 17, and her boyfriend at the time had listened to it. They got so scared by it, they'd <laughs> scrunched it all up, right? They'd scrunched it up. And I thought, you lightweights. So, in the house, entirely on my own, I dug this record out of the bin. I put it on. The first thing you hear is someone saying, Help us. Our souls are burning. I was terrified! <laughs> I was so terrified I took it off. Of re- and I still have nightmares about that flipping record. I think that was removed yeah, from my copy because I'm a bit younger than you. Our souls are burning. This one's bad, though. I mean, well, apparently. Oh, dear. You've got kids flying up the walls um, doing that thing. Is there a video of it? Um, not of that. Oh, right. there's a video of their grand talking about it. Oh, That's proof. I see. These days when everybody, apart from I, have got video cameras on their mobile phones, they've not managed to capture it. Well, you and I, what we need to do later on is listen to the scary bit and see whether it's scary. Um, they were in the mail, what's going on? I think in times of financial crisis, we all turn to spirituality or ghosts. Mm-hmm. Lots of us we do. We need to believe someone's looking out for us. Well, there's a plan. page 28, page 29, they're still talking about um, near-death... The near-death experience files. There's a picture of a gentleman who looks like... Um, you know you get a drawing when they find Neanderthal man's um, like bones and they draw what his face looks like. Oh, <laughs> that's it? not him. That's not a person, is it? That's a person. That looks like Pob grown up. I was ho- <laughs> yeah. I was hovering ten feet above hospital bed. No, you weren't. Bob Pendlebury, sixty-three, a retired financial services manager, lives in Hove, East Essex. He says, five years ago, I had an asthma attack that nearly killed me. 
Oh, sorry. What are you <laughs> doing? voices. I've just put the telly on. What? <laughs> are we boring you? How... How rude! <laughs> doing the show. I like to see what's on the telly and have the subtitles up on the news. Cash so in the attic in on yet? How rude! Oh, really? <laughs> five years ago, five years ago, I had an asthma attack. <gasps> Very nearly killed me. Don't take the Mickey. I'm not taking the Mickey. Mickey. Mickey his appearance. I, I was at home with my wife Nicole when suddenly I felt very tired. Syria. Next thing I can remember is hovering ten feet in the air in the corner of the ceiling, looking down at myself. Didn't happen. Out of body experience. Strange dream as my heart stops. Says Carol Paradise. You may have had a strange dream. Yeah, that's possible. I had one the other night. I had one last night. My friend Dougie Anderson was getting his face shaved by a Turkish barber, but he just had a razor and he just go, and he shaved all his eyebrows oh, off. I had one about you. Hello. Yeah. Was it? No, it wasn't that. A vision of but nuns. People at- thought it was. That was the dream. A vision of nuns at my feet. Says Gerald Granger. White-robed man with a tranquil smile. Says teacher. This person's allowed to teach people. Uh, moment I knew. Uh, moment I knew my son was going to die. Saved by my late grandmothers. I mean, guys, oh. this does not happen. Does it matter if it's comforting? Well, it does when they go in the newspapers and spout it as fact. They're all on drugs. Medical drugs is what I'm saying. K- uh, Kelly Bates. Hi there. I'd just like to say <clears throat> happy birthday to anybody who's. Th- we're not doing shout outs. This, this is not the Ken Bruce show. I hadn't finished. Happy birthday, Lisa. <laughs> this is not the Ken Bruce show. Best we friend, happy birthday. <clears throat> we don't do big ups and shout outs. Oh, sorry, Ken, Lisa. Does Ken Bruce do big ups and shout outs? Yes, he does. Why give him a ring. Oh, I might give him a call. Yeah. We got his, uh, I, are you mates with him? Do you want to tweet him? <laughs> if you've got a sweet tooth, try chocolate toothpaste. This is the no, worst. No, why idea. would you do that? That's not fresh. Page three of the mail. It promises a rich, creamy cocoa flavour to satisfy even the most indulgent sweet tooth. No, it's not a naughty, gooey dessert, but rather a toothpaste that tastes like chocolate. What a stupid idea! I know. You're basically you're getting kids who can't brush their teeth. Say, well, yeah, use this. It tastes of chocolate. And you're also confusing health. With treats, we all need to define those boundaries, don't we? It's not. I mean, it's not unprecedented. You do um, get. You can get like bubblegum flavour. You swimming. You can get yeah, shortbread flavour and stuff like that. But I mean, shortbread. Do any shortbread? It's just easy biscuits, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. Go on. Um, no, I'm still thinking about e- the Exorcist. We haven't got anything for just, oh, Justin Daly. Children's television presenters should not be too sexy, according to a BBC editor. You try telling that to Katie, and I can cook. You too. You're not the only one. What, really? Yeah. I mean, Katie. I, I mean, she, she's had a baby now, so. Um, Does that ruin it? Uh, no, she's... <laughs> from what I've heard. Yes. <laughs> it depends how it goes. <laughs> you would know. You've had two. Well, Elvis didn't fancy women once they became no. mothers. Apparently, that's one of the many stories. No, about uh, but Katie and I can cook. I mean, really, what a what a wonderful, wonderful. example to young people yeah. she is. And l- let's just say it. Nina and the neurons. Really? Oh, science. I've got a little thing about Andy. Really? Yeah, even though he looks a lot like Fatty I know, Whitbread. I know Andy. Oh, it's not anything I'd like to act on. I've got, I've got his phone number. We can call Andy up. You've got his phone number or you can uh, tweet I've, him. I can get... I can have... I can get... I don't want anything to happen. I just like it when he comes on. I like the rap. I like the rap he does with Sid. I don't care what the number is. It's always a great rap. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. More of this and Justin Daly after the latest travel with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40 northbound, it's partially blocked between Junction 5 for Stoke and Church and 6 for Watlington after an accident. Delays on the approach there. And the A1M southbound is slow at Junction 7 for Stevenage. 
On public transport, the Bakerloo line has service suspended northbound between Queen's Park and Harrow and Wealdstone, and also southbound suspended between Harrow and Wealdstone and Stonebridge Park. Tickets are being accepted on local buses and also London Overground, though. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. 6.46, it's Wednesday the 29th of January. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four police officers have been disciplined for not acting on reports of a missing man from High Wycombe who was later found dead. Britain is to take hundreds of refugees from the conflict in Syria. In football, Milton Keynes lost last night 3-0 away to Carlisle and Wickham also lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. 08459 555 J-Dog is coming up next. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's not a bad start if you're looking at the temperature this morning. It's around 4 or 5 Celsius right the way across all three counties. However, that temperature isn't going to get much higher. We've got some outbreaks of rain moving in from the east today. Overnight, the wind switched around. It's now coming from the southeast, so notoriously a chilly wind. But coupled with this rain as well, it's not going to feel too pleasant. Over higher ground, so places like the Chiltern, out towards the Downs, for example, uh, we could be seeing one or two wintry flurries mixed in there as well but the maximum temperature is around 6 celsius 43 degrees in fahrenheit factor in that easterly breeze is not going to feel too pleasant at all now overnight tonight we've got one or two showers although it should start off predominantly dry and stay that way still quite a lot of cloud around though but the met office has issued a yellow weather warning we will have some rain obviously through today and that could freeze the temperature dropping down in some parts low enough so we could see some slippery surfaces and some ice tomorrow morning widespread though it looks like the temperature is going to hover around one maybe two celsius but like i say locally we could be getting the temperature down to zero perhaps a touch below so for tomorrow morning it's rather a dull day much quieter still some rain around just not quite as persistent and uh, we're still hanging on to the breeze it's just not quite as strong still cold though for tomorrow with a maximum temperature of five celsius and that's your forecast if you've got a problem with a company a council or an organization get this roofing company round see if they can fix the problem and i'll pay the bill he said, yeah, I did say that. The JVS Show fights for your rights. This conversation went round and round and round. And tackles your consumer problems. So, Roy, the question is, has he paid the bill? Yes, and he was standing there and he handed me an envelope. So I just opened the envelope and I looked inside of it. There's a cheque for £120 and that's it. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Are you happy? Yes, I'm quite happy. I will give him my fanfare, my horn and any other problems Roy, you know where I am. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, Ian. Yeah? You know, JVS just said it's gone round and round and round. Yeah? Got me thinking. What's happened to the sugar babes? Try to convince me, then you better think again. 
Good morning, guys. I hope things are groovy in your world. Oh, I've just been outside smoking cigarettes. <laughs> What's the text number? 81333. For one extra. <laughs> <laughs> very, very urban today. Very urban feel about the show today. The sugar babes and Gabrielle. <laughs> you sound no. wicked. Doesn't it sound wicked? It does, yeah. Hey, listen, you've got yourself excited because we are possibly today, uh, later on in this week, mm. at, the le- at the latest, very special guest coming on. Yes. Andy from CBBS. Oh, uh, and what about Tony Mortimer? Oh, and Tony Mortimer Yes, Tony well. Mortimer. When I, I heard about that, I got very excited. You like it? E17, great little band. Ah, oh, very underrated. Tony Mortimer, great songwriter. And the reason they're underrated is because the singer is a numpty. Yes, he is. 
Uh, they they reformed recently, but without him. Yeah. He ran himself over in a, his own car. <laughs> How do you do that? Mind you, George Michael, just saying, you know, he's still highly respectable. Well, but he, cr- he crashed his car. Yeah, yeah. At least he was in the car. Yeah. <laughs> this guy drove his car, but ran himself over. What was his name? Um, uh, Brian, Brian Harvey. Harvey. Brian Harvey. And he famously stormed out of I'm a Celebrity. Was that I'm a Celebrity or Big Brother? He stormed out. He? he couldn't take it anymore. He went. He went really? Yeah. yeah, just suddenly he was there one minute, the next he'd gone. Mm. Poor Brian. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll tell you. I have a quick question. Yes. It's for off air, but I'm going to ask it on air. Uh, we've got a Beatles band coming in on Friday. Can they do Thursday instead because they can't get the time off work? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. Are we still dressing up? Because that could make things difficult. I've got things uh, on order. I can't yeah. dress up Thursday. Let's dress up Friday. Right, to celebrate the to one celebrate. day since the Beatles came in. Yes. The, the, the one oh. day... We call the shots round here, not hey, the bands. Well, hang on, it's the Beatles, mate. Oh, I've got gosh. a lovely handlebar tash going on. I know, I know. <laughs> I wanted to have a word with you about yeah. that. You can get cream. Oh. Um, yeah, OK, well, I guess, I guess they can't get time off work. Yeah. Rock and roll! They're the Beatles! <laughs> they can do anything. They can come in on a Thursday, of course. Brilliant, I'll let, I'll let them know. Please do. Now, well, Catherine, you found a little something we might be able to send Justin yeah. out on. It says, and this is according to the Times, if you want to read along, 17, page 17, not mm-hmm. E17, it appears the parents have conceded defeat in the battle to enforce manners at dinner time, where once we tried to drum into our children, as was drummed into us, the importance of elbows off the table. Elbows off the table. Don't talk with your mouth full, and especially only Americans eat with one hand. I've been doing that one this week. Um, now the white napkin has been run up and anything goes for the sake of a perfect meal. Um, a new guide to modern mealtime etiquette drawn up after seeking the opinion of 10,000 British parents and children say that the relaxation of din- dining rules will be welcomed by 94% of people who are fed up of arguments. And, mm. and in English, people haven't got any manners anymore. Well, food for thought. This is what they're saying. This is a survey by Goodfellas. Yes, the pizza people. <laughs> 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 Not super <laughs> Those Chicago town pizza guys are furious. <laughs> Why didn't we think of that one, guys? One, you should try anything new once, and then if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it anymore. I think that's... Uh, no, I don't believe that. Talking about pizzas, do, do you still <laughs> well, sit and have your know. pizzas in your uh, underpants? Yes. Well, where's your manners, then? Well, no, I only do that on my own, oh, or right. with uh, my wife. I wouldn't okay. do that in front of the children. Yeah. Number two, hold your knife and fork however you feel most comfortable. Really? No, no, no. Yes. no. It's yes. fine to eat with your hands. No. It's yes. pizza. Hmm? This is good, fellas. It's OK to get messy. <laughs> yes. It's fine to have the TV on in the background as long yes. as anyone is, everyone's enjoying their time together. No. Listen, these are the rules. Don't have right? to be excused. Wait until everyone's finished and enjoy each other's company rather than rushing off to your room. These are the rules. These are the rules, right? We don't eat in the same room as the television. I do, but when the kids are in bed. But I'm 40, and I've paid for that television. We sit at the table. We all sit together. Phones are turned off. You use cutlery. You don't uh, put your elbows on the... You don't put your feet on the table. (laughs) And really, you stop climbing on the table. That's the thing at the moment. They climb on the table during dinner. We've had the knees under the table. (laughs) This is my wife. (laughs) (laughs) But the knife and fork thing is hard to bring in when you've sort of taught them on the baby-led weaning thing where they've had a bit of your plate and a bit Mm, of Dad's plate and all this kind of stuff going on. And it is hard to bring in, but it's worth bearing with, isn't it? You can take them anywhere. Supper last night, my youngest had uh, meatballs, uh, grated carrot, um, some pasta with some tomato sauce and broccoli. Do you know what I'm mm. hearing? Orange stainage. Well, forget that. He had a glass of water. He put all the food in the water. Ah, uh, yeah. And then he wa- and then I took it away. He said, "No, Daddy, I want to drink." Uh. I said, "You disgust me. <laughs> you disgust me. Go to your room." He's only two, but you've got to te- teach them. Mm. Justin, no, they should be able to play with their food and have fun with dinner. 
What, so, Definitely. What, so that means I can't take them to a fancy restaurant? I can't take them to the Ivy or something? Uh, <laughs> the Ivy. when they're two. <laughs> so shabby. No, no, no. Listen, when they're two, they're old enough to know. They're old enough to know better. And also, if my boys start running around in a restaurant, this is serious, they start running around in a restaurant, they've got three chances. Come and sit down. Come and sit down. Right. We're out. We're, yeah, yeah, we're out. We'll that happened to me last night. I was in a restaurant, screaming kids, no. running around. Guys, it's not the Olympics. Just sit your kids down and eat. Okay. Justin, do you ever eat at home? <laughs> uh, yes, of course I do. Yeah, only when his mum cooks. Yeah, yeah. I know where Maz is cooking. I yeah. think the central to this is the dining room table, and it's a right. shame not many people have them these days. Could you go and find out, uh, Justin, about um, etiquette at the dining room table? Do people mm. still follow manners, things like that? Absolutely. Got a, a, yeah, a few birthday requests as well that have come in. Sorry, uh, birthday requests. No, we don't do those. Oh, no. I was in the newsroom, Jenny and what? For 36 years what? old today, lots of love from what? Paul and the kids. What is this? Uh, Lenny and Dunstable, 41 tomorrow. What is this? Uh, he can't listen tomorrow, so can we say hi today? Lots no. of love from Tina and the crew. Hey, play right. the nun. No, for goodness sakes. Justin, g- g- so, sorry, they, they said I'm if you didn't do it, they were going to go to Ken Bruce. Oh, for goodness sakes. They can go to Ken Bruce. Is it too cold to get your woody out? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's going to be okay. Okay, good luck. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 London bound, the entry slip road to Junction 5 for Watford is partially blocked by an accident. And the M40 northbound also partially blocked between 5 for Stoke and Church and 6 for Watlington by an accident. Very slow on the approach there. London bound on the M40, the exit slip road to the anti-clockwise M25 is partially blocked by an accident with queues on the approach. And on public transport, the Bakerloo line has service suspended northbound between Queen's Park and Harrow and Wealdstone. And southbound service is suspended between Harrow and Wealdstone and Stonebridge Park. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Well, Andy from CBeebies has favourited my tweet. You excited, Catherine? Not off. Hey! So, lots to talk about then, including table manners. What are the table manners in your house? Or are you one of those families that's well, kind of chucked table manners out of the window? Come on, guys. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. Buckinghamshire police officers disciplined over failure to act over a missing man. A new technical college in Buckinghamshire is opened by the Duke of York and ten dead birds found by the canal in Wendover. BBC Three Counties Radio. Four police officers have been disciplined over the death of a vulnerable man in Buckinghamshire. Sean Elliott died after going missing from a care home in High Wycombe in 2011. Matt Lockwood reports. The Independent Police Complaints Commission investigated the case and found that police mishandled the search. The 43-year-old, who had learning difficulties, mental health problems, drug and alcohol addictions, was not classed as high risk. His family repeatedly contacted the police, but were told little could be done because Mr Elliot was only categorised as medium risk. An inquest into his death also found that if officers had acted on information from Mr Elliot's family, it would have led police to the flat in Amersham, where he was eventually found lying unconscious. He died in hospital a day later. After weeks of pressure, the government has agreed to accept some of the most vulnerable refugees from the conflict in Syria. The number is likely to be in the hundreds. But Britain is still refusing to sign up to a UN quota scheme aimed at resettling up to 30,000 Syrians in Western countries. 
The Duke of York is opening the Buckinghamshire University Technical College today in Aylesbury. It provides education for 14 to 19-year-olds specialising in either construction or IT. Principal Bev Flanagan says they're responding to an increasing need in the workplace. There's now a shortage of technicians, site managers in construction, people that actually do the work. So there's a a big gap that's opened up where technicians are desperately needed in our world of work and they're very well-paid jobs, I have to say. Ten birds, including a swan, have been found dead near the canal in Wendover near Aylesbury. A member of the public found the mute swan, two mallard ducks and seven moorhens by the Grand Union Canal on Saturday. A pellet was found in the body of one of the birds. Police say someone must have seen something, as there are a number of people in the area, including a group of ramblers. The number of trains per hour from Bedford to Brighton is set to halve later this year. It's because of engineering works, but commuters are angry about cuts to the service. Sophie Saluria reports. Just two trains an hour will run all the way to Brighton on the Thameslink line because of major engineering work at London Bridge. There will still be four trains an hour into London, but half of them will go to Elephant and Castle instead. Campaigners want the through trains to keep running. The changes, which would come into force in December, would make journeys difficult for people who work in Croydon and holidaymakers head into Gatwick. And in football, MK Dons suffered defeat by Carlisle 3-0 in their League One away match last night. It was also a defeat for Wickham Wanderers, who lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. The Stevenage game at home to Crewe was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch. The weather, outbreaks of showery rain this morning, possibly falling as wet snow on high ground. That will clear away and it will feel cold in the easterly breeze with a high of 6 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio, the homes, the home of dreams. The home of dreams. Just had a text from Andy from CBBS. That's what I'm talking about. That's, he's coming on at some point. He's coming on. We're, we're in, we're in the negosh. The negosh. My people are speaking to his people. Lots to talk about on the show this morning, including a police watchdog has found that Thames Valley was lax in its approach to the disappearance of a vulnerable man in 2011. Here's Sean Elliott's story in the next few minutes. The technical college seems to be on the up. The emphasis is shifting from academic degrees to vocational courses. But will Speller return to the past when a top-class education was only for the upper classes? Will it? Will it? And table manners. What table manners do you follow... In your house, do you all have to eat at the same time? Do you switch the television off? Knives and forks? Elbows on tables? What happens in your house? I think these small things are important. You start from the bottom and work up. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can uh, send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
This is a very sad story. Police watchdogs have criticised the way Thames Valley dealt with the disappearance of a vulnerable man in 2011. Sean Elliott's family say they had to beg police to act when he went missing from a care home in High Wycombe. They believe his history of substance abuse and mental health problems meant he was judged as a less urgent case. The Independent Police Complaints Commission found their approach had been lax. I'm joined now by Sean's sister, Claire Elliott, who joins me. Morning, Claire. Hi. Claire, explain Sean's background and his mental conditions and why he was in this home. Uh, Sean had a background, um, even from when he was a child, he had learning disabilities. Um, He was unable to read and write. Um, He went to a special school as a child. Um, He then um, kind of, as he got older, he had mental health problems too. Um, he had a personality disorder. And how would this affect him, Claire? Well, he was he was very anxious. Um, he just found it difficult to really fit into mm. society. Um, I think he always felt quite an outsider, really. But he was he also had dyspraxia and dyslexia, so he was very clumsy. So he was unable to work because everything he touched, he ended up breaking, and he just had, he had really bad coordination. Um, and he he just. You know, life was just quite difficult for mm. him, and as he got older, he did drink, um, and he did take some drugs, and he often self-medicated, really, because to deal with his anxieties. And he, he was in a, a care home. Was he a resident there? Did he live there? Yeah, he lived in the care home. He'd been there for about a year. He had previously been in the Tyndall um, Centre, psychiatric wards, um, and then he'd been moved into this care home because Sean had a history also of self-harming mm. and ideas of suicide intent so and in this care home he would be he was allowed to come and go as he wanted is that yeah, right yeah yeah right. he was he was able to but they had a duty of care to yeah. him um to know where he was and he always phoned in whenever um he didn't come back for the night sometimes he would stay at friends and he would all but he would always contact them so this was really unusual um for him just to be completely out of contact with everybody so tell us what, what happened 2011 when did you find out that sean hadn't gone back to his care home um, I had a telephone call from my other brother, Cares. Um, he, he'd um, been in contact with the care home. The care home had, had, had contacted him to say, you know, had any of us seen him? And we hadn't. Um, and we were, we were concerned. Um, so we, we just um, went out looking for him ourselves. We contacted his friends. Um, and it was very unusual because he wasn't answering his phone. Um, and then the care home, unfortunately, didn't reporting missing for 48 hours. Um, and the jury have found, in this case, that he should have been reported within 24 hours, which is part of their policies. Um, he, we then... Um, we, I was in, in contact with the police during the next couple of days. Um, and really, it just didn't really get... You know, they didn't take our concerns seriously. They just seemed to... You know, I felt personally, they judged Sean, um, that he kind of wasn't worth looking for, and he was missing for nearly five days. Because of his, his mental health and his drug and alcohol issues? I think possibly more to do with the drug and alcohol. Right, right. Um, and we kept saying this was really unusual for Sean. He doesn't go missing like this. He's always in contact with, with his family, always answers his phone to us. He's incredibly vulnerable. He was very easily led and open to exploitation. Um, he, you know, he'd 
been violently attacked before in the past. He'd had his windows smashed. He'd had, you know, even sometimes children would laugh at him mm. and victimise him. So, we, you know, we, we knew that he had disappeared. You know, we, we all felt something serious had happened to and when him. When you went to the police and, and said this, what, what did they say? Well, I mean, what was happening at first was, I mean, I, I was just calling them. I kept phoning and phoning and phoning just to say, because they categorised Sean as medium risk, which I always felt was wrong, considering Sean's difficulties. Um, so I kept phoning continuously, asking them to upgrade him to high risk because it just seemed that nothing was happening. And they kept saying, we can't check his phone, we can't, we can't do certain things because he's not high risk. And I kept saying, you know, because Sean was on medication as well. He was on prescribed medication, which he, he wasn't able to take because he didn't have it with him. It was locked in his care home. So without that medication, Sean was more prone to, um, in, to be impulsive. And it was medication to stop him drinking, antipsychotic drugs and de- depression, and to help control his anxiety, mm. really. Um, so we were really concerned that he wasn't taking this medication as well. And we, we kind of reiterated all these concerns to the police. And it didn't seem to matter what we said. They just didn't, they didn't listen to us. And they didn't even return my phone calls. I must have phoned five or six times on the Saturday. And they didn't call me back at all. How did that make you feel, Claire? Oh, I was just really frustrated and just, I, just astounded that they just wouldn't take this seriously and that they didn't feel that Sean was worth looking for. Um, and for us as a family, and, you know, and his care home were concerned as well because this was very unusual for Sean. Mm. He always phoned them if he didn't come back and they, they told the police this. Um, and there was a 24-hour period that the police didn't do anything between the Saturday and the Sunday um, Sean was, you know, lying there dying in his flat. And, and, and this they, is it, isn't it? He, he, he was found eventually yeah. in, in the, the flat of someone that I think you or your brother had mentioned to the police. Yeah. Was it a, a, without yeah. mentioning any names, was it a drug dealer? Yeah, yeah I mean, he, yeah, he, he was known to the police. He, he was um, a drug dealer, as, as, far, as far as I know. And um, he had previously glassed Sean in the face. There had been a serious incident a few years previously. Um, so he was mentioned because he had been the person that had seriously harmed Sean. Mm. So obviously our concerns were he was harmed. So my brother Ked said, you need to look for this guy. He's the only person that's ever really hurt Sean. Um, you know, look him up, find him. And, and they didn't. They, mm. they didn't. They didn't follow that lead. I mean, they, they you know, in, in the um, inquest, they lied about it. They said it wasn't said, and it was said. But the jury found that it, that it was said. Um, and, you know, it was just so frustrating that, so, you know, if they'd followed those leads and followed their own policies and procedures and raised them to high risk, he could have been found alive. How was he found there in the end? He was found there because the guy he was with phoned, Sean was already in cardiac arrest and phoned the, the um, ambulance. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and they did manage to um, resuscitate him and bring him back, but he never had any brain activity from that point. And you, had and, to, you and your family had to make the decision to turn the life yeah, support machine yeah, off. Yeah, we did, we did, yeah. That we must have been to. heartbreaking. Yeah, but we knew he kind of, he wasn't there, he was already yeah. gone, so we couldn't, you know, and, and he already had enough disabilities, and we just thought he wouldn't want to have lived with any more, you know, and, but there wasn't any chance anyway, so mm. we, we, we knew that, and, you know, it was just, 
and I, and I made a complaint straight away to the police and I even had the police come round my house one or two days after Sean had passed away to try and intimidate me into not making a complaint. Can I read you, Claire? We asked uh, Thames Valley mm. Police to come on the show. They said no. Yeah. Uh, they gave us a statement. It's very brief. Right. Uh, well, yeah. this is all I have. It may have been longer. I don't know. Mm. Uh, it says, we acknowledge the findings of the IPCC and are mm. now considering their recommendations for improvements. Indeed, many of the recommendations made in their final report mm. have already been acted upon. Right. At the heart of this incident lies the tragic death of Sean Elliott and our condolences and th- our thoughts continue to be with his family. Yeah. What do you make of that? Well, <laughs> we had no family support um, while Sean was missing and after Sean was missing. Well, sorry, after he died. So we, you know, the police, we had no family liaison officer, no support whatsoever. Um, you know, I don't remember ever expressing their condolences um, to us throughout this whole process at the inquest. It was a very difficult and painful procedure and, you know, and we felt at times that the police would have done anything to, you know, to not be criticised. And, you know, I think now now this, the inquest has come, this outcome has come in our favour with Sean. Um, I, I think it's a bit late, really. And, um, you know, for, as for the officers being disciplined, well, you know, that's just a management meeting and... You know, I don't feel that's sufficient for somebody losing their life and for them not doing their job properly. Um, and, it, and even a couple of officers have even been promoted since this incident, and that's very hard to kind of, you know, take on board when, when we've lost Sean and um, doesn't seem that anybody is accountable for this. Claire, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us this morning. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot for your time. Okay, no, you're welcome. Bye-bye. There we go. Very sad. Claire Elliott there, talking about uh, the death of her brother, Sean, and um, the mistakes made by Thames Valley Police, as, as have been cited by the Independent Police Complaints Commission. 08459 455 555. It's a quarter past seven, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40 London bound, the exit slip road to the anti-clockwise M25 has two lanes blocked because of an accident with queues on the approach. And the M40 northbound is partially blocked between five for Stoke and Church and six for Watlington by an accident and it's also very slow there. The M1 London bound entry slip road to Junction 5 for Watford is partially blocked by an accident. And on public transport, the Bakerloo line now has severe delays because of an earlier train fault. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Alice. Right, it's coming up to 7.16. It's Wednesday, the 29th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four police officers have been disciplined for not acting on reports of a missing man from High Wycombe who was later found dead. Britain is to take hundreds of refugees from the conflict in Syria. In football, Milton Keynes lost last night 3-0 away to Carlisle and Wickham also lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. The weather, rain or showers with perhaps, perhaps, perhaps a little bit of snow. BBC Three Counties Radio.
every weekday from three. Roberto Peroni. Milton Keynes is smarter than your average city. And the borough has now been named as one of the five places invited to a smart cities forum. With the best local news stories. Bedford Hospital's leadership has been described as weak in a damning independent report into the problems in the paediatric department last summer. With the best local talking points. An ordinary postman from Watford had a dream that one day that he would raise enough money to build the first free independent hospital in his hometown in Pakistan. After three years of campaigning, hard campaigning, Houghton Regis Leisure Centre Swimming Pool had been saved and would in fact be reopened. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. So there's a story in quite a few of the papers. It's about table manners. He says quite a few of the papers. He struggles to find which paper it, it's... Um... I think it was the Times, the Telegraph. It was in the, it was in the mail as well somewhere. Let's have a little look at the old... Uh... you saying the Times? Yeah, why not? Well, because... Page 17 of something. Oh, for goodness sakes. I remember, because I was talking about E17. Ah, here we go. There you go. Parents surrender to children in, children in battle to enforce table manners. How do you enforce... You've got two girls. Yes. Are you, you strict with them? Yeah, I am. Maybe what? too strict. No, no, no. You can't be too strict. I find myself being really picky. No, pick up your knife, please. Don't put your knife down. You don't swap hands. How old are your girls? Uh, my eldest is five. She's at school. She needs to know how to yeah. behave. And the youngest? The youngest is two. What do you do with the youngest? Because I've got She's, a two-year-old. There's I not a lot you can her, do, is there? I have there? to stop her putting the knife in her mouth. She's trying. She's doing the right motions yeah. with her knife. She's yeah. not quite holding it right, but she's copying the older one. So that's another reason why I've got to be strict. Yeah, it, it is. And I think I do think you work from the bottom upwards. Yeah. You start with these what seem like small little things, and they will eventually become well-rounded young people. My dad once told me, he said, you don't just get well-behaved kids. It's a, t- a tiny little things yeah. every single day. Yeah. Always get the boys to say thank you. Yeah. Please, thank you. I, I want a chocolate, please. I said to one of my little ins the other day, what do you say? And she said, thank you. It was, what did you say? I'd asked her, but she said, thank you. Because yeah. it's just become that yeah, thing, yeah. what do you say? Please, my, my little my youngest, please, daddy. Please, no, no, thank you, daddy. No, thank you. We get double please. Oh, really? Like, two-year-old, or you can't resist a double please. A double please. Is, you're in. It is these, these simple little things that you, I, I don't think, and I don't, I don't, I don't well, no, I can say that I don't want this to sound snobbish, and I don't think it does, actually. Uh, uh, the, the simple little things that lots of kids don't get taught, don't get, not beaten into them, but they don't get taught. And part of me understands it, because it's exhausting reinforcing these things all the time. I've got friends who let their kids look at iPads oh, and things dear. at the table, but then what happens when there's no yeah. distraction? What happens when you take them out and you've actually got to talk to each other? They're not used to it. My brother-in-law, who is a very, very sensible, successful young man, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he uh, uh, quite often we go on holiday with them, and to keep the kids calm at the table, he'll get the iPad out and put on um, those. Who's those Australian fellows who sing about the, the Wiggles? Big, the Wiggles. Put the Wiggles on. There's a Wiggles movie. He'll oh, put good. the Wiggles movie on, and I, and I've had to kind of. Well, I said to my wife, could you have a word with Matthew and say, look, actually, I don't, I don't really want my boys watching that at the table, yeah. please. Yeah. Bad habits. Although saying that, I remember having Sunday roast dinners when I was a boy and we would watch Happy Days whilst having a roast dinner. It was a treat for us to have our tea yeah. on a tray. Yeah. <laughs> oh, eight, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. I genuinely think there's these small things. Start with the small things. It works up towards a better society. I'm sure of it. Give us a call on that. Now, remember back in the 90s, New Labour said everyone should get a degree. And there was kind of a... You were sneered at slightly if you didn't go for a degree. Critics at the time said there was nothing wrong with vocational courses and it was wrong to push everyone towards academia. Well, it would seem there's been something of a rethink with more and more young people opting for vocational courses and apprenticeships. Phil Millard is uh, Human Resources Director at Vauxhall Motors. Morning, Phil. Good morning. Phil, Vauxhall never gave up on vocational training, did it? 
No, we've um, always kept this at the, the centre of our focus to bring in bright young talent into the business because whilst um, an academic pathway is great, you also need to uh, bring people into the business who've got practical skills, who are able to, uh, who've got employability skills, who can make a big difference in the business. I do feel in the last 10 years or so, there has been a, a certain snobbishness looking down on people who do vocational skills. Do you think that's, that's kind of shifting in the last year or so? Yeah, we've been working very hard with uh, local schools right across the country to change the image, um, because you're very right. Uh, there was this thought that uh, maybe manufacturing was not the place for them. In actual fact now, what we've done, we've completely com- turned around that viewpoint. And we've now got a different supply and demand situation where we've got more demand now for apprenticeships than we're able to, uh, to match. And what young students, what young people are seeing, what career advisors are viewing, what parents are viewing, is that young people can have a fantastic career through a vocational pathway. They can transition to college and university. And through going down a vocational pathway, they can earn and learn. So they're not coming out of university with a degree that's no, of no use to them. And they've got significant debt. What, we're, kind, we're, of, we're, what, kind, of, what kind of young people feel are, are coming to, to Vauxhall Motors? Uh, all, all types. We're 16, 17 people with very good A-levels, people with degrees. We've, we've got people applying now for apprenticeships who have got degrees, who have been able to get a job, and now want to go down the path of, uh, of an apprenticeship because they can clearly see the benefits in taking that road associated with a, a great company like Vauxhall. Phil, listen, keep up the good work. Thank you very much indeed for your time this morning. 08459 That's uh, Phil. He's a human resources director at Vauxhall Motors. What do you think? Have you kind of gone that way? It has been, hasn't it, for the last few years? Oh, you've got to have a degree. Oh, you've got, you're not going to university? Oh, dear. To the point where people end up doing, well, I was going to say Mickey Mouse degrees. I did a degree in performing arts. Performing arts? My college was like fame. Wasn't in the slide. Well, it was. Some people thought wanted to think it was a little bit like fame. I wanted to go somewhere like that. My dad said over his dead body. Yeah, it would have been fun. Wasn't one of the Osmonds in Fame in the um, TV series? No, didn't, too old, surely. No, didn't Jimmy Osmond play um, a teacher? Thank you very much. No, no, no. How do I put this? Um, I don't think you can say the word I want to say anymore. Oh, really? Didn't he? He, he played. Um, he, he played someone with learning difficulties, severe learning difficulties. Jimmy Osmond. But in an 80s way, which is probably not very sensitive. Yeah, I, that, this is what I'm trying to tread around very carefully. It was kind of very ham-fisted, shall we say, in its portrayal. I'm sure it was. But, um, uh, yeah, going to university. I mean, it, there are so many Mickey Mouse courses, made-up courses. What did you do, Kelly? Kelly, what did you do at university? Hmm? What did you do at university? Oh, dear me. Certainly wasn't uh, attitude training, was it? Sorry, I was watching telly again. What did you say? What did what well, Catherine just told it to you? What did what, what university or college? Very two different things. What what, what did you do? I did uh, media production oh. with a minor in radio. So that's uh, film and radio. Okay, and uh, well, we're, we're making two a film, one, of course. I got A two one. Thanks. A two one. I got a two one. A two one. 
in 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 a Mickey Mouse course? In what I just told you. What was it? Um, my, um, I forgot. There we go. You see, you see, that's what we're breeding. That's what we're breeding. Yes, Beth. Me a job here, though, didn't it? it? Exactly. You see, imagine if you got done a proper course where well, you could have ended up. I'm joking. I'm joking. It sounds like an excellent course. And BBC Three Counties Radio, while my contract negotiations are still underway, is certainly an excellent place to be working. Once that contract signed, I can say what the heck I like, and there's not a thing they can do about it. Should we do the front pages of the newspapers? Yes. Why not? Lutz. Lutz. Do it. The Guardian. Uh, Oh, Pete Seeger died. Pete Seeger died. Pete Seeger. Seeger taught that songs are more than just records, says Billy Bragg. With a beard. Looking good with the beard, Bragg. It's a tiny picture. Grey Bragg with a beard. I like Billy Bragg. He looks good, doesn't he? Yes. I like Billy Bragg as well. I don't like his songs. I mean, he can't sing, but I like the attitude. Why did Pete Seeger, who has died age 94, matter? Because for over 75 years, he stood true to his original vision. He never wavered. Huge swathe of GCHQ spying illegal. Report. Ah, boring. Colson played part in Craig voicemail plot court told. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Ah, oh, dearie me. There's, I mean, the, 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 the news-wise, there's not a lot going on. We'll speak to Justin Daly in a bit about manners. The Times. Tory MPs demand tax cuts as economy expands. Uh, George Osborne faces renewed pressure to reduce the tax burden on middle-class voters after official figures showed the economy expanding at the fastest rate since the financial crash. Hang on a second. The strength of the recovery, which led some economists to predict that growth could exceed... Liberal Democrats are confident that they have won an agreement in the coalition to raise the minimum tax allowance to £10,500. I don't don't understand it, but surely we should be... um if people can afford to pay the tax, they should pay the tax, shouldn't they? Oh, a little bit of socialism there. Uh, the Daily Mail. Uh, incredible picture of a woman walking through a flooded village, drowning in misery. Furious flood victims last night accused officials of gross incompetence and abandoning them to the elements. They said they feared the worst was yet to come in the Somerset levels. Huge stretches of which have been underwater since Christmas. Experts backed up their claim that the Environment Agency's decision to stop dredging key rivers had created a disaster area covering 25 square miles. The Telegraph. Um, the hot... Um, no, hang on, we can't say that. Um, the uh, fit... No, we can't say that. The fine... No, we can't say that. We, uh, the uh, former French First Lady. We can say that, can't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's a picture of her holding a child. And uh, jilted first lady on low blows, backstabbing and betrayals. She's still carrying on with their engagements, even though she has no official title anymore. Well, yes. I mean, and she, she's picked... Uh, she, she's holding orphans in India. I guess you've still got to turn up, haven't you, when you promised you'd do something like that? Uh, well, I mean, it's, uh, good luck to her. Good luck to her. But it's, uh, it's a strange story. Scandal of elderly forced into A&E. Number of vulnerable patients failed by out-of-hours GPs rises sharply in five years. Um, um, short, ah, here we go, here we go, here we go. We've got one or two of these here. These people make me want to puke. They come over here and they steal our jobs. Do you know what I'm talking about? Short men. Short men. Short man syndrome is more than a tall tale. Call it, short men, this is true, they always have to try and prove that they're just as good as normal-sized oh, people. Is that true or is that a stereotype? I'm just as good as you, lanky! Why are you calling short to you? What, what size? Anything under six foot two. <laughs> yeah, Delia is short in my book. 
Call it Napoleon complex or simply inferiority. But short man syndrome really does exist, Oxford University academics have found. Feeling smaller makes people paranoid, distrustful, scuttling, scuttling and scared, they discovered. I put scuttling in. Using virtual reality technology, they took volunteers on a simulated tube journey at normal size... Normal. We're using that word, are we? Then again, with their height reduced by 10 inches. This is brilliant. They made people smaller in the virtual world. No, but all you're proving is that you feel different if you are smaller than what you're used to. If you're not used to it, you don't feel any different, surely. Most subjects did not consciously register their lower viewpoint, but they reported greater feelings of incompetence or being disliked. Rightfully so. They also felt greater mistrust and fear and were more likely to think one of their virtual fellow passengers was staring or thinking badly of them. What? I'm small, I'm not a man, but I feel like everything made in this world caters to me perfectly in terms of size. Who I, said that? I fit everything. I can hear a, vo- can hear a Everyone voice else from is just massive, and it's their problem. Well, let's, I'm, 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 my tongue is slightly in my cheek, but I, I have really? noticed this with certain small men. I think it's different for men than women, I think. Um, because if small small women, all the blokes are like, oh, isn't she cute? Oh, let me, I, let, I'll do that for her. Well, that's because we help. like to infantilise women. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, whereas we uh, don't like to listen to small men. I think, is that what you're saying, Catherine? Men Harsh don't words. like being infantilised. 08459 455 555. Are you tiny and how has it affected you? I don't want to talk to children about this. This is adults. I can say it because I'm small, but I think it's really funny when a small person tries to walk fast. <laughs> <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 northbound is partially blocked between Junction 5 for Stoke and Church and 6 for Watlington because of an accident and it's very slow on the approach there. The M1 northbound entry slip road to Junction 5 for Watford is partially blocked because of an accident. And the M1 southbound slow going between 9 for Redbourne and 8 for Hemel Hempstead. On public transport, the Bakerloo line has severe delays after an earlier train fault. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30, I'm Jane Killick. Four police officers have been disciplined over the death of a vulnerable man in Buckinghamshire. Sean Elliott died after going missing from a care home in High Wycombe in 2011. Ministers have decided to allow some of the most vulnerable refugees from the Syrian conflict to come to the UK. The number is likely to be in the hundreds. The Duke of York is opening the Buckinghamshire University Technical College today in Aylesbury. It provides education for 14 to 19-year-olds specialising in either construction or IT. The weather, showery rain this morning, will clear away, feeling cold in the breeze with a high of 6 Celsius. Under sport and in football, Milton Keynes Dons suffered another defeat last night in League One after losing 3-0 away to Carlisle. MK Dons manager Carl Robinson was critical of his side. I know what I saw. <laughs> I hope they see what i seen. We went to the centre-half, kept going back. And sideways and backwards and sideways and no options in behind. Longy looked the threat, but I felt sorry for Longy because he's literally isolated on his own. That's two games on the spin, the front four haven't scored. So we've not scored them a conceding goals. So there's players to be brought in all over the park for my liking. Also in League One, the Stevenage game at home to Crew was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. League Two side Wickham Wanderers also suffered another defeat, losing 1-0 at home to Portsmouth last night. 
Wickham manager Gareth Ainsworth was positive despite the defeat. The boy Reece Stash was uh, outstanding up front. I thought he held the ball up absolutely fantastic and uh, he's done what I brought him in for. Anthony Jeffrey came on, injected a bit of pace. Not as good as he was at, at Mansfield, but there's more to come from him as well. I think we've got a, we're getting the makings of a good squad here. And uh, don't look at the league position, look at the performances because I think that um, we're going to turn someone over in, in a big way soon. In the conference, Luton remained three points clear at the top after second-placed Cambridge lost 2-1 to Grimsbury. In the Premier League, Leeds' Arsenal drew 2-all at Southampton, Manchester United won 2-0 at home to Cardiff and the Merseyside derby ended Liverpool 4, Everton 0. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at 8. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So it's official. According to scientists, scientists, these guys do science. Short man syndrome is a more is more than a tall tale. Now, I'm not completely convinced by their research, the way they uh, they did it. They fitted normal heighted people with virtual reality equipment uh, that made them think they were smaller, uh, and they felt less than. Now, I'm six foot three. Used to be six foot four, shrinking, shrinking. Uh, so I, I don't. I, but I, I, I've noticed this. Have I noticed this? That some small men need to feel the need to be louder, to work harder. Not necessarily bad things. They feel more driven. Is that true? And is it different for men and women? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Collins in Dunsmore. Morning, Colin. Good morning, sir. Colin, are you tiny? Yes. Oh dear. How 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 short are you? Um, um, not sure, but a smidgen under five foot. Okay, so you're a wee fella. Yeah. So you, okay, and how has that affected you in your life? Um, I do find that um. Um, in shops and things, everything is 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 uh, arranged for the taller person, for an average-sized per- person. Um, everything I want seems to be on on the top shelf. Oh, hello, That's uh, Colin. No, steady. Like <laughs> calm down, boy. Calm steady, down. Steady, steady. Um, and you know when you go to the supermarket and stuff. Um, and, um, I, uh, the cupboard's in my flat, you know, I have to... Well, hang on, why don't you get, if the cupboard's in your flat a wee, uh, the, uh, too tall, why don't you get them lowered? I can't, I'm in a council room. Oh, okay, okay. So, what, so how do you get stuff from the, how do you get your, your beans? Sorry? How do you get your beans or your tin of sweet corn out your cupboard? Well, uh, basically, the top shelf of my cupboards is empty. Oh. What a waste of space. Uh, yeah. And when, there, um, when there are people... That are just... I have to have a little stool, <laughs> you know. Do you not um, have one of those ladders they have in posh libraries where it leans no, against no. the shelves and you can slide around? No, oh. no, 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 no. There's not enough room. Do you feel, Colin, that you've had to um, work harder or make more of a noise because of your um, tiny height? I don't, I don't really know. I don't think so. Um, I know. I know. I remember when I, I first started work. Um, I was constantly having to ask people to get uh, stuff down for me. Oh, um, 
you know, from shelves and what have you. Um, but they didn't seem to mind. Um, I mean, this was a long time ago, remember. This is 30-odd, 30, 40 years ago. One of my favourite things in a shop, Colin, is when a tiny old woman says, Oh, excuse me, Sonny, could you get that for me? I love it. It makes me feel powerful. Well, I, I have to do that. I wouldn't I do it for you. I have to ask people. I'm not going to do they, it for you, Colin. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I wouldn't say I feel embarrassed, but... There's always um, <laughs> that thing in the back of your mind that, oh, God, I've got to ask somebody again. Um, and so it must be quite annoying. It is. It, yeah. it, it, it's slightly annoying. I mean, it's nothing major. I don't want to pry too much in your private life, but, but partners in your life, have they been um, your height or normal height? A mixture. OK. And which do you prefer? Um, doesn't really matter. No, no, no. Um, okay. you know, you, you look at, um, oh, the famous actor. Mickey uh, Rooney? No, um... R- Dudley Moore? Yeah, Danny DeVito? Dudley Moore, he, he's... Ronnie, Ronnie Corbett? <laughs> yeah, all these people, a lot of these people have got quite tall partners, haven't they? Yes, they have. Um, so it, 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 it really doesn't matter. Colin, uh, Richard in uh, Stevenage has got some advice for you. Richard, what would you like to say? Uh, hi, Colin. Hello, hi, Richard. Richard. Morning, Richard. Um, what do you got? I just wanted to say that, um, don't, don't waste all that space in, in your kitchen cupboards. Um, uh, get, get yourself your pages. Uh, what, to stand on? Yeah, it's in the adverts. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Thank you, Richard, I think. I, 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 I could hardly hear him. No, but, that, um, that's probably for the best. He was yeah, being naughty. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we've all seen the advert, especially the Christmas one, yeah. where the kid gets his yellow pages uh, to kiss the girl under the mistletoe. Sweet as a nut. Uh, Colin, nice to talk to you. Thank you for your call. 08459 four double five five double five. Short people. What's that? Sorry, Randy Newman, isn't it? Short mm, people. Uh, I think so. Short is it, well, hang on a second. There's well, a song. Whoa, whoa, There's a song whoa, whoa, whoa. you don't yes, know. Yes, I think so. Yes, yes, yes. It's not Randy Newman. I don't think it is now. No, no. it is Randy Newman. It is. You, you sure? There's a song you don't know. Well, yeah, I don't know every song, do I? Well, I thought you were the human jukebox. Songs for short people. Give us a call now. Call me now. <laughs> now, you're a tall fella. Yes. Although, you, you, this, the reason we're talking about, one of the reasons we're talking about tiny people is because today in the kitchen, Kelly Betts asked how tall you were. You went, oh, about six foot four. Hmm. I don't measure myself, do well, I? And I went, whoa, hang on a yeah, second, fella. Yeah, yeah. I'm t- significantly taller than you, and I'm 6'3". So you've got to be about 5'11". No, no, I'm over six foot. When was the last time you measured yourself, though? The last time I measured was about three or four years ago, when I went from medical, and I'd always thought uh-huh. I was six foot four. Yeah. And the woman said, right, OK, that's just under six foot three. I went, whoa, <laughs> hang on a second, I'm six foot four. She said, no, you're just under six foot four. You're different heights at different times of the day. Yes. I think you're shorter in the evening. Yes, yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, because some people do shrink at night. They do, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, some people grow at other times. It's, um, it's a strange phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> now... Justin. Yes. What have you been up to? Um, well, you were talking about Tabby. I'm liking, this, I'm liking having you in the studio, by yeah. the way. It's nice. I'm glad it's that nice. somebody likes it. Oh, hang on a second. Tabby. Hiya. Hello, Tabby. It is Randy Newman, and he thinks the words short people have got no reason to live. <laughs> it's a lovely song. <laughs> Could you sing it for us, uh, Tabby? No, it's my, I've only ever heard it twice. My nan played it. Um, How tall are you, Tabby? 5'2". Uh, but, you're, but you're a lady. 
Oh, but Randy Newman is taking the mickey out of himself due to the oh. fact that he's only about five foot tall. He also sings a song uh, about the atom bomb and says you're not allowed to bomb Australia due to the fact that he doesn't want to kill the kangaroos. He also sings a song about living in tiny boxes, I think, or maybe that's someone else. Tabby, if, I don't know if you've got a partner, but, but the, your partner's in the past. Have they been normal height or we? Uh, my current partner is just shy of six foot. Whoa, how does that work? Without going into too much detail. <laughs> um, it doesn't cause a problem, really. I've always been relatively short. <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, I would have doubt you'd have shrunk significantly. Tabby, thank you very much indeed. 08459-455-555. Maybe before the end of the show, you could go mm. and round up some short people. And put That's them in exactly what I'm going to do, yeah. Excellent. But you've been mm. out. To, to talking about table manners. Yeah, you mentioned this earlier on. Table manners are disappearing yeah. as a nation. We are disgusting uh, in the year 2014 when it comes to sitting down and eating our dinner. We've simply got no manners at all. So uh, we spoke about that, what, around 45 minutes ago. I've been out this morning getting some reaction for you, Ian. And this is what happened. So, good morning. Table manners in the year 2014. Have they just vanished? Completely. All gone, mate. Every generation has his own uh, views on everything. So, when you were growing up, what were the rules in your house when it came to table manners? If you didn't eat your dinner, you never left the table. Simple. No elbows on the table. Get your elbows off the table. Playing with your food? No. <laughs> Strictly eat your food. If you're going to play with it... Yeah. He was disciplined. I mean, a number of parents will be sitting down at the dinner table with their children and they'll be watching TV at the same time, probably having no conversation with them. What's your thoughts on that? Don't happen in my house. No teller at the dinner table. We have a life. Yeah, we've got to, we've got, we've got to develop our, our community, sense of community in the household. Christopher, when you were younger, your parents, were they quite strict when it came to table manners? Very not allowed to talk with a mouthful. <laughs> not allowed to put rounds on the table when you can only leave the table when your dad said you can. So all those things that, that were put in place when you were younger, mm. do you still stand by those even now then? Yeah, my kids do the same. So if your kids had their elbows on the table, you'd they say get them down straight away? I'd say elbows. And then, and then move it. What about having the TV on? No, we don't have TV on. So you're very traditional. Do you think a lot of people aren't like you these days and they There's simply don't care about table manners? There's quite a few people like that. There's, nobody cares about table manners at the moment. Feed them, get them gone. And what would you say to those parents right now if they are listening, the, the ones that don't care? They should care. There's standards. If you, keep, if you lower your standards, you lower everything. Together we can make a change. Oh, thank you. We can make this world a better place. Oh, more than likely. <laughs> thank you very much. You're welcome. Ted, good morning. It is freezing cold. We are talking about table manners. When you're having dinner with your wife, do you keep the CV on? Yes. That's disgusting, isn't it? Well, it might be to you, but not to me. So what sort of things are you watching? Well, you'd be watching the news, for instance, and catch up on, on the daily gossip, really. What about catching up on the gossip with your wife, though, Ted? I will tell you, you can do that every night of the week, every hour of the week. Ted, if your wife had her elbows on the table, would you say, right, you, get your elbows down now? No way, because if I did, she'd deck me. It, uh, people get very angry about mm, manners. Absolutely, because, you know, p- people think that standards in this country, they are dropping. And uh, we've, we've spoken about this before. Some parents, we spoke to one parent who said to me, well, yeah, we have the TV on, but, but you don't talk at the dinner table, do you? What? Well, now, that, do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that, yeah. actually. Yes, we, uh, y- you do talk. That's, that's when you should be talking at the dinner that, table. That's, that's a really good point. It's, it's an important thing for kids to learn the art of conversation, and mm. you do that around the dinner table. You're absolutely. all facing each other. 
There's always something to say. What did you do at school today? Yeah. I'll tell you what I did at work today. Uh, this happened to me on the way home. What, do, what, what did uh, this make you think? This is how you do it. Mm. I saw something the other week which might offend you, actually. Oh, oh, yeah, I went to a restaurant. Yeah. And in this restaurant, they had uh, booths, okay? Now, in those booths, yeah. well, obviously, you know, tables. It was a bit, yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously chairs. chairs yeah, 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 knives and forks. Yeah. And uh, menus. Beautiful. I mean, and also... TVs. What? There were TVs. Yeah, little mini TVs no. in restaurant booths so you could watch the football. So you could watch the football no. whilst you were eating your dinner. There's a McDonald's in Kingston in Milton Keynes and they've got screens on the wall. No. Right next to the tables. No. See, My kids were mesmerised. I had a heck of a time trying to get them to eat up. McDonald's is Not one thing. Not that I should have been taking them in there in the first place, yeah. but it's yeah. a treat. Yeah. But this place was quite posh. It was an expensive restaurant, and they had TV so you could watch the football while you were that having is... dinner with your partner. Disgusting. That is, as Justin Daly says, disgusting. Mm. Can I... Sorry? Sorry? I was just chortling and um, drinking my coffee. Turn my mic off if you want. Flipping it. <laughs> short people, can I send you out on a mission? Yes. Go and find some short people. Are they bitter and twisted? Absolutely. Fine okay. by me. Justin, thank you very much. 08459 four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 London-bound entry slip road to Junction 5 for Watford is partially blocked by an accident. And northbound, the M1 looking very slow around Junction 10 for Luton at the moment on the speed sensors. The M40 northbound is partially blocked just before Junction 5 for Stoke and Church by an accident with queues on the approach. And the A5 southbound slow going between Kensworth and Redbourne. On public transport, the Bakerloo line has minor delays after an earlier train fault. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Hey, we're rattling through today's show. It's 7.46. It's Wednesday, the 29th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four police officers have been disciplined for not acting on reports of a missing man from High Wycombe who was later found dead. Britain is to take hundreds of refugees from the conflict in Syria. In football, Milton Keynes lost last night 3-0 away to Carlisle and Wickham also lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. Got some good news. Andy from CBeebies is going to come on the show next week and Tony Mortimer is probably going to do the same as well. He's just... Uh, he's... Um, I mean, he's not got back in touch with me, but he, 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 he will. What you're trying to say is it's not actually your friend. No, no, no. And when he does come on the show, I'll ask him if he's my friend live on air. And when he says yes, which he, there's no reason he wouldn't, you will apologise to me both on air, in written form, and by buying me a breakfast at Prisoners. OK. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Across the counties at the moment, the temperature is around 5, 6 Celsius. It's not actually going to get too much warmer than that today. Overnight, the wind switch direction is now coming from the southeast. By the end of the day, it will be coming from the east. Notoriously, a very bitter wind and quite a brisk one too. We're going to have some outbreaks of rain as well. Some of those could be quite heavy and some of those could actually turn to sleet and snow over higher ground, especially through the course of the day. Overnight tonight, a rather cloudy night, but predominantly dry. We may get one or two showers and they could fall again as uh, perhaps a little wintry in nature over higher ground but predominantly just rather cloudy the minimum temperature widespread down to one or two celsius there will be places though where it dips down to zero now this could cause ice to form we've got some rain today that could freeze could lead to some very dangerous driving conditions overnight and into tomorrow morning the met office has a yellow weather warning in place for icy conditions uh, for that time period so for tomorrow it is a bit quieter still some 
some showers again one or two of those could be wintry rather cloudy there is an easterly breeze but it's a bit lighter but the temperature is still going to struggle just four or five celsius for thursday that's your forecast Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS Show. Well, whose fault is it that there are so many fat people in this country? It's a horrible word. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. But why do you want to kind of tiptoe around the issue? People are people. People aren't fat just because they're big. Tackling your consumer problems. Over the last few months, I've been palmed off every few days. There are some absolute rogues out there yeah. in the car industry. Tim, I'm going to send uh, Wayne in yes, to you. Please. Let's get some detail and we'll get okay, this sorted out. The JVS BBS show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, some cracking case, and you've got to feel sorry for that fellow getting palmed off every day. I mean, it really is just um, some dodgy people out there. 08459 555555. Catherine, you okay? I'm fine, yes. Good for you. Well done. Uh, Kelly Betts, are you okay? Why did you say there's some dodgy people out there and then open our microphone as if we're dodgy? Well, you 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 draw you draw your own conclusions from that. Hmm. I think I think the you best got a pencil. I think the best thing that you can do is just have a think about why you reacted. Oh, hang on, is that Tony Mortimer on the phone? Oh no, oh, no, it's not because he's not your mate. He's Toad's coming on the show. No. You know when he if he does, and you say, "Oh, hey, Tony, we're friends. We go way back," and he says, "Sorry, what's your name again?" Then do you owe me the breakfast and the written apology and the verbal apology? He won't apology? do that. I will prime him before... It, it, oh. Oh, interesting. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Short people. Short people. Short man syndrome is more than a tall tale. Professor Daniel Freeman, he's a professor... Being tall is associated with greater career and relationship success. Well, I don't know if I can necessarily test to that. Height is taken to convey authority. Um, and we feel taller when we feel more powerful. Oh, and they've put a joke in. There's a joke at the end of this report. Is there? There's a joke on the front page of the Daily Telegraph. And Wait, that's let not included. Let me get ready. It's not including <laughs> Matt. Because they don't count as jokes. They just count as bad drawings. Right. <clears throat> So, this is the Professor Daniel Freeman, uh, who led the study, said, Being tall is associated with greater career and relationship success. Height is taken to convey authority. We feel taller when we feel more powerful. Last paragraph. There was no mention of whether subjects felt a compensatory urge to conquer Europe. Napoleon and Hitler. It's a joke about um, Napoleon and a joke about Hitler. Define joke. Well... No, it's written by Sarah, Sarah Napton, the science correspondent. Yeah. <laughs> Not the humorist. They should let Matt write more stories. Cartoon Quirky Matt. C- Cartoon Quirky Matt. Is he in there today? He is in there. There's a, story, there's a story a couple of days ago about how um, the royal buildings are being left in disrepair. Yeah, because the Queen's skint. She's skint. There's a picture of the Queen walking, holding, uh, walking past Buckingham Palace, holding a handbag. She's wearing a crown. There's a sign that says... She's the Queen. Falling masonry. Crowns must be worn at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I love Matt. Stop it. How he gets it every time. 
I just don't know how he thinks of them. I really don't. The thing is, you read it and you think, oh, I I should have thought that, but that's his genius. In that we didn't think of it. We didn't think of it, especially when it comes to the cartoon. Crowds must be worn all time. I'm going to leave that in here so uh, Roberto can have a look at that later on. 08459 455 555. Dennis is in Dunstable. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Dennis in Dunstable. Is that Ian? Is that Dennis? No. Ah. I'm Ian. I'm Dennis. I am good. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dennis. Hello, our kids, I'm Dennis. I used to go to prison. I didn't really go to prison. I was just in there building rocking horses for the what prisoners. What? For all the crooks and all the, the nonces and all the people that did all the bad things. My name's Dennis Indunstable. Will you shut up, love? I'm doing this. It's not my squeaky bottom. It's a chair. Now, listen to me. Is that supposed to be a northern accent? They'd probably shoot you if you went up there and spoke like that. They'd probably shoot me if I went up there anyway. Oh, well, I've got shoes. I know, that's right, yes. Anyway, carry on. Kelly Betts, lovely little girl, right? She says she's the right size for everything. I said, I'd like to see her one of my, the larger rocking horses dressed in fawny-looking clothes. She'd look like... Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> she'd look like Doris Day in... Uh, what kind of... What kind of clothes do you want them well, dressed in? No, no, Doris Day was wearing sort of suede suede uh, jacket and trousers. Okay. And uh, she'd just be about right size. Okay. Right so you would you would like Kelly Betts yes, so go on, dressed on up in, in suede jackets, yes, riding a big rocking horse. Yeah, and it's a Palomino pale one, exactly like Doris Day. She'd look Dennis, like Doris come Day. out with me on a Saturday night. That's normally what I do. <laughs> Is it what, ride rocking horses? Yes, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that's not some Second World War slang for something. Dennis, thank you very much indeed. Deary me. The day after the first capital, uh, the day after first capital connect unveiled a new set of trains, passengers are being warned the Bedford to Brighton service will be reduced significantly later this year. There'll be as few as two trains an hour along some sections of the Thameslink line because of major engineering work at London Bridge. Well, Neil Middleton chairs the Association of Public Transport Users and joins me now. Morning, Neil. Yeah, good morning. Uh, how much of a reduction will people notice on the Bedford to St Pancras stretch? Well, for- fortunately for those of us who come into central London, it won't make much of a change. But if you're going further on to East Croydon, we've got quite a lot of travellers who go on to East Croydon on a daily basis these days to work or going on to the airport, your services are going to be cut by 50%. You know, that's a big reduction going from every 15 minutes to every 30 minutes. So it, it sounds like it's going to be a little bit of a nuisance. It certainly, it certainly will be. I mean, if you're going for a train, for instance, and uh, so you're going for pain and you you miss a train at the moment, you'd be 15 minutes late at the airport. That's probably not going to be a big thing in the, in the great scheme of things. They seem uh, to have, at First Capital Connect, seem to have kind of snuck this out. So we, we got the, um, the, the, the wonderful new trains unveiled uh, y- yesterday, and now we're being told, oh, yeah, by the way, there's going to be less trains. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shame on... It, it is a great shame on that. And, it's, and you know, I'm, we're, I'm trying very hard to persuade First Capital Connect and other people in the rail industry, like Network Rail and Southern Rail... That they should continue to be four trains an hour because it's actually a, you know, a, a core a core need of the travelling public these days that that is a frequent enough service. How busy? I mean, are these trains full at the moment? The ones that we have, is it going to create yeah. more pressure on the line? Uh, absolutely, it'll make it much worse again because you know those trains are you know, they're full and standing every day from uh, places like St Albans into London, and suddenly you're going to get. Some of those trains would have even more travellers on them because people will need to get them to go to uh, 
East Croydon or Gatwick because their, their normal train has been cancelled. So there, it's going to be making it even worse. I, I don't suppose there's any other solution, though, is there? That this huge work is is, is going to be done uh, at London Bridge. They've got to do something, haven't they? Oh no, I agree. I, you know, we're, we're we're great supporters of the work and the long-term capacity increase it will bring. We just believe that the rail industry is being too timid in how they're providing services while they're di- while the trains are diverged away from London Bridge. What would you like to see done, Neil? What would be the ideal solution? Uh, the ideal solution would be to retain those four trains for hours and work a bit hard. To work out, work, work this harder to work out how they can fit the trains into the system in the, in the interim period. And are you talk, um, talking to First Capital Connect? Are they, are they no, listening? But they are, and, and we're encouraging them as much as we humanly can to work with their partners and the rest of the rail industry, in particular Network Rail. And we're continuing to apply pressure on anything any of your listeners can do, like write, write to their MPs. That would be great. They could write their MPs and write, ask them to uh, lobby the Department for Transport. That would be absolutely great. Neil, I appreciate your time uh, this morning, and no doubt we'll talk about this uh, at a later date. Neil Middleton chairs the Association of Public Transport Users. It seems an odd decision to make when we're constantly being told at the moment, oh, we need more trains. Oh, the trains are crowded. And that's that thing, isn't it? If you commute to work uh, on a train, I don't have to. I do it very, very rarely these days. But that commute... I've done those train journeys at half past eight in the morning or half past five in the evening when it's rammed. Absolutely rammed. You've got someone's backside in your face, an elbow in your ear. This condensation is dripping off the windows. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Texts here. Sharon says another important table manner is do not allow children to have smoothed over their faces. They look ghastly. Well, it depends on the age. Uh, sometimes they can't help sometimes it. Sometimes they can't help it. depends on the age. Uh, if my four-year-old does it, we wipe his face. We've we, we got napkins. You can overdo the wiping, though. I don't want them yeah, to be no. funny about food. Yes. No, you're right. You're right about that. But also, I want them to learn how to use napkins and not their sleeves. Yes. A lot of that going on still. Use your napkins. Or the hand, and it just ends up in the hair. Yeah. Richard and Milton Keynes uh, says, I find it so annoying when you go into a pub and kids are running around and shouting and being a nuisance rather than sitting down. Parents just sit there and ignore them. They should be bad. Pubs are boring for kids. It depends. If there's like a little garden outside, well, then I let them run around. Or you're sitting having a meal. Yes. If you're having a booze up all afternoon, yeah. children shouldn't be there. Well, children shouldn't be there for a booze up. But in, in restaurants, it doesn't normally... Even in kid-friendly restaurants, of which there are many, some excellent ones... I let them kind of, you know, I let them walk around and have a little look around. They start making noise. They start getting in people's way. They start running. They start shouting. They start throwing things. Then they come and sit. They get pulled back to sit next to me. They go and do it again. They get pulled back to sit next to me. They do it again. We go out. We went to a restaurant recently and there was a whole family sort of taking up the entire wall. You know, at one of those long tables. Yeah. And the parents were lying on the floor with the little children. Oh, no. Colouring in and stuff. And I thought, Disgusting. you're not at home. You're Dis- not at home. That's a step too far. Kelly? Colin in Dunstable has called back in. Oh, this is the third time he's called in Short today. Short man syndrome, yes. He sent you a selfie of him in, oh. in the kitchen. Oh. oh. Is, he, is it, before I open it, is it um, decent? Let's have a little look here. Selfie in kitchen. Uh, I want to know what he <laughs> looks like. Forward. <laughs> oh dear! Ask me if we're allowed to put that up on the the, the, the tweet the that because that man really, I mean, he is uh, he's struggling there to reach that that bag of flour on that top shelf. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 northbound's very slow going around Junction 5 for Stoke and Church after an earlier accident. 
And the M25 anti-clockwise heavy going between 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4. Leegrave High Street is partially blocked at Oakley Road because of an accident. And on public transport, Chiltern Railways have disruption between Marlebone and Banbury. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. Lots to come up on the show this morning, possibly even Tony Mortimer. Yeah, the brains, the powerhouse behind E17. Short people. Oh, they're looking at the picture of Colin. Oh, dear, Colin. Let me buy him a box. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, Buckinghamshire police officers disciplined over failure to act over a missing man. Ten dead birds found by the canal in Wendover and a new technical college in Buckinghamshire opened by the Duke of York. BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a vulnerable man from Buckinghamshire say he could still be alive if the police had acted. Four police officers have been disciplined over the case of Sean Elliott, who went missing from a care home in High Wycombe in 2011 and died in hospital a day after he was found. His sister, Claire Elliott, says the family and the care home kept telling police how worried they were. Just astounded that they just wouldn't take this seriously and that they didn't feel that Sean was worth looking for. And there was a 24-hour period that the police didn't do anything. Between the Saturday and the Sunday, Sean was, you know, lying there dying. After weeks of pressure, the government has agreed to accept some of the most vulnerable refugees from the conflict in Syria. The number is likely to be in the hundreds. But Britain is still refusing to sign up to a UN quota scheme aimed at resettling up to 30,000 Syrians in Western countries. The number of trains per hour from Bedford to Brighton is set to halve this year. It's because of engineering works, but computer, commuters are angry about cuts to the service. Sophie Solaria reports. Just two trains an hour will run all the way to Brighton on the Thameslink line because of major engineering work at London Bridge. There will still be four trains an hour into London, but half of them will go to Elephant and Castle instead. Campaigners want the through trains to keep running. The changes, which would come into force in December, would make journeys difficult for people who work in Croydon and holidaymakers head into Gatwick. Ten birds, including a swan, have been found dead near the canal in Wendover near Aylesbury. A member of the public found the mute swan, two mallard ducks and seven moorhens by the Grand Union Canal on Saturday. A pellet was found in the body of one of the birds. Police say someone must have seen something as there were a number of people in the area, including a group of ramblers. A new technical college in Aylesbury is being opened by the Duke of York today. The Buckinghamshire University Technical College provides education for 14 to 19-year-olds specialising in either construction or IT. Vauxhall in Luton is one company that's been going into schools for years. Human Resources Director Phil Millward says there's a sea change in the way people view a technical career. Uh, There was this thought that maybe manufacturing was not the place for them. In actual fact now, what we've done, we've completely turned around that viewpoint and we've now got a different supply and demand situation where we've got more demand now for apprenticeships than we're able to to match. In football, MK Dons suffered defeat by Carlisle 3-0 in their League One away match last night. It was also a defeat for Wickham Wanderers, who lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth in League Two. The Stevenage game at home to Crewe was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch. 
The weather, outbreaks of showery rain this morning, possibly falling as wet snow on higher ground. That will clear away and it will feel cold in the easterly breeze with a high of 6 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about in the last hour of the show. Doing the technical college seems to be on the up. Did you go for a degree or a technical vocational qualification? Maybe your kids or indeed your grandkids are making that decision at the moment. Is there still a snobbery towards people who don't go for degrees? What's the most made-up degree you've heard? You get people who do, um, like, leisure industry degrees. Leisure industry degrees. My husband did leisure management. What does that mean? I don't really know. I think he wore a tracksuit. <laughs> you can't manage whilst wearing a tracksuit. 08459 455 555. We're also talking table manners. Do you instil good manners in your children? Elbows, feet off the table, please. Hold your cutlery properly. And short people. It turns out short man syndrome is real. Shorter men, and I think it's different for women, shorter men feel more of a need to prove themselves. Give us a call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, uh, we've got another Colin coming up, but Colin sent in a picture of him. Uh, um, short. Uh, the only reason I was laughing, I, 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 I realised it could have sounded cruel. The laughter could have sounded cruel. The only Are you was, cruel? No, no. No, I'm, a, I'm. Listen, the the Buddhists believe uh, that you have. It takes about seven, eight, no, about on average about eight cycles of reincarnation before you evolve to the next spiritual stage of being a Buddha. You move on to to Nirvana. Um, you guys, this is probably your th- third time around, Catherine. Fourth time around for you, Kelly. Something like that. I think this is my last time. Oh, so you're as close to perfection as you're going to get. I think this is my eighth, my eighth incarnation, and once this one is completed, I will have probably learnt all of the lessons that need to be learnt. And I'm going Has up to Tony the... Has Tony Mortimer got in touch with you yet? Yeah, he's your a friend. He's a busy man. What about CBB's Andy? Is yes, he he's coming on next week. Is he? That's, that's a booking. Why not today? Because li- you have to talk to his agent. Can you talk to my agent? That's the number. There? Number wanna... one. Number one. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I was making a really good point, and I've come anyway. That was it. Yes. So Colin sent in a picture, and I laughed at it. Colin, I wasn't laughing at you. I was. I was laughing at the, the fact that your description had been so accurate. There is only a bag of self-raising flour on the top shelf. I'm guessing that means he doesn't make too many cakes or pies. The top shelf is actually empty, while the shelf below is crammed full of goods. And I just feel. I feel. And ba- I think that's supposed to be a bumper jar of coffee. That's not. <laughs> To demonstrate don't, how tiny he is. Don't make it worse, please. I'm trying to dig myself out of a tiny little hole, and uh, you've made it a little bit bigger. Saying tiny again. Sorry. Stop saying tiny. Well, it's not a massive hole. You know, I'll just step out of this one. Right. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Collins in Northampton. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, Ian. I'm talking about short people. Are yeah, you? T- I'm another. I'm another Colin. Five foot four. Ooh. And yes, you tall people think we have a problem. I don't think we have a problem, and the reason why we have to shout because you think we're small minded. Just because we're small, don't mean we can't do things. 
It's interesting. Well, two things are interesting. Firstly, the, the only short people we've had callers so far are Collins. So this doesn't, this doesn't prove whether it's short people that have a problem or Collins. We need to, a bit more investigation. Yeah, uh, I think you do. Yeah, there is a good point there. Yeah, that, thank you. And uh, with the, can, can I speak freely, Colin? Yes, you can. You've come on with a little bit. You've come on with a little bit of an attitude, which I think backs up my argument. Yeah, you're right. Do you get sick and tired of lanky idiots like me looking down on you, literally and metaphorically? Yes. Why? You think you think you're superior. You think you're all tall, superior, and you think you're also perfect, but you ain't. Are there any benefits to being a wee lad? Yeah, there is. Go on, give us some of the benefits. Tell me what I'm missing out in my luxurious six-foot-three frame. All the ladies think we're cute. What? Hang on a second. Let's let's do a straw poll. Um, Catherine, do you yeah, think... Yeah, hot. Kelly? Cute. OK, no, fair play. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Thank you. But they don't want to... They don't want to throw you in the bed for an evening of wild passion. They want to straighten your tie and, and uh, pat you on the head. Um, I'll beg to differ that. Okay, let's not go into any more details. Colin, how tall are you? I am five foot four. Yeah, it would be a perfect match. Well, there you go, Kelly. You're you're tall compared to me. Well, there you go. Do you go for uh, the taller woman, Colin, or the shorter woman? Uh, well, um, my second wife was quite tall, but my previous wife now is about the same size as me. Okay, right. Okay, okay. Well, Colin, I, I appreciate your your call. Go and have Thank a little you. lie down. Have you got steps to get on the bed? No, no, no. I, I no. drive the van. I drive a van. Okay. And you're all right. You're all right with that. Do you sit on a cushion? No, I don't. Okay. Well, Colin, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh dear. Now, back in the 90s, do you remember this? New Labour said everyone should get a degree. And it, everyone was in, they got rid of polytechnics and they made them into universities and everyone was encouraged to go to a degree. And I remember uh, a certain pressure to go and get a degree. Well, it was seen now that the high cost of higher education is making people think more carefully about what a qualification will get them and exactly how quickly. We've been talking this morning about the rise of vocational courses and apprenticeships. Joining me now is Chris McGovern from the Campaign for Real Education. What, what is the Campaign for Real Education, Chris? Well, basically, it's a campaign which is promoting traditional standards in education, but also very strongly promoting choice and diversity in education. So there are different pathways for people. There has been, hasn't there, the last 10, 15 years, uh, uh, pressure for people to go to university. I mean, I felt the pressure, what, d- d- 21 years ago, that if I didn't decide to go to university, I would somehow be less than been the case and I think that's totally misplaced that view that you don't get university somehow you can't make it and um, I think we've become obsessed with uh, children youngsters going to university they're incurring great debts and often they're not suited to university far more suited to a different pathway Uh, and and it can be that that some people just aren't academically um, bright that's not mean to mean they're stupid but the 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 process of sitting there doing exams and, and sitting there writing essays their brains just aren't wired that way. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. There are different forms of intelligence. One intelligence is, of course, academic. Other intelligence is much more practical. They're both equally important. One of the problems we've got in this country is that for 
too long we've admired academic intelligence, not admired um, practical intelligence. And, you know, what some of our rivals, like Germany, for example, 51% of German youngsters by the age of 22 have completed an apprenticeship. And that's a country where they have the best export record in the world. We've got to follow them to some extent mm. in terms of uh, providing youngsters with other pathways than academic. Do you think that, that that's been to the detriment of this country the last 10, 15 years, the, the, the policy of, of universities being it? Absolutely, I do, yes. I think universities are great for certain people, but they're not great for others. And youngsters are coming out, again, look, they're doing jobs when they come out which are not necessarily suited to their degree, and they've got massive debt around their neck, and nor do they have the skills which are necessary. I mean, personally, I have to say, when when I come across plumbers and electricians and bricklayers, I'm in total awe of them, you know. And I think most people probably should be like that, because we need more and more of these people who have practical skills. And actually, we just... If you think about it, you know, these, these people serve the country probably actually more than many of the university academics. Is there a danger? One of the things that concerns me slightly is that, that now people have to... I mean, I, I was in the era when I got a full grant to be at university. Well, they paid me money to go. Now that um, university costs lots of money, is there a danger we might slip back in, in, into university degrees becoming for the posh kids and a, a brighter, a bright yet poorer people might end up in the vocational they might miss the op- they might miss out on opportunities. Yeah, that is that's a real danger and one we've got to avoid because one of the cultural problems we have in, I think, in this country is that we don't, simply don't value those vocational uh, and practical skills. Um, but of course, at university, you can study practical mm. subjects such as engineering, for example. So we don't want to go too far over the board and saying, look, you know, we, for, the, for the for the practical kids that got to just go to college, some children who are practically orientated will go to university. They will do courses in engineering. And we need lots more engineers. But what we've got to remember. And, and what youngsters have got to understand is that they really can make a superb life and a great career along a vocational pathway. If they become a, a bricklayer, a builder, a plumber, an electrician, they can earn a lot of money, they'll be very well respected, and they can have a great future. This emphasis on universities as well, it seems to have seen a rise. You often hear stories of these, you know, these Mickey Mouse degrees, David Beckham studies and uh, Beatles film studies, you know, stuff, stuff that is, is, yeah, sure, it's a, great, it's a great DOS for two or three years, but it ain't going to serve the general public in any way whatsoever. Whatsoever. No, you're right. Now, in fact, I was doing interviews quite recently about a new degree course uh, in, in, at one university in, in the UK in heavy metal music. And I was saying... You know, oh, dear. Yeah, and, and, and that was quite a big story at the time. And really, I said this is really a disqualification rather than a qualification. I think, you know, a lot of universities are trying to create courses which attract youngsters. They, they seem superficially very attractive, but actually they're not serving those youngsters well at all. So there are a lot of Mickey Mouse, or well, there are some Mickey Mouse degrees out there. We don't want those. And nor should we be encouraging, and universities shouldn't encourage. Why? Just to apply for them. Why would any university think, hey, I know what we're going to do, guys. Heavy, heavy metal music, if you like it, fantastic. You can go and, go and research it and do it yourself. But to do it at university... Yeah, well, is it all yeah. about money? People argue, some people have been arguing against me quite passionately that actually, if you're going to study music, why not study heavy metal music? And, and I, I explain really, look, it won't make you into a rock star because you've just got a degree in heavy metal music, but it's a, quite a battle mm. because some people have such fixed views on these things. But I don't think we're serving youngsters by putting them or allowing them to take courses, which may be attractive, but actually do not provide them with employment at all. Chris, good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Chris McGovern, Campaign for Real Education. I mean... F- I, I did performing arts, Mickey Mouse degree. Well, it served me all right, actually. I managed to make a few quid out of it. Certainly paid back the cost of the course and um, my grant in taxes, and then some. The arts. It was, it was art. 
Heavy metal, wowzers. 08459 555. Got some texts on manners coming in. I'll do those in a little bit. 81333. Start your text 3CR. It's a quarter past eight. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 northbound still struggling around Junction 5 for Stoke and Church after an accident. And in Denham, the A40, there are queues at the Denham roundabout back to Hillingdon. Uh, it's not helped by the earlier accident on the M25 Link Road. In Leegrave High Street, that's partially blocked at Oakley Road by an accident. And on public transport, Chiltern Railways have disruption between Marlebone and Banbury, which is expected until 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, northbound lines are blocked through High Wycombe by a broken train. Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. 8.16, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four police officers have been disciplined for not acting on reports of a missing man from High Wycombe. Britain is to take hundreds of refugees from the conflict in Syria. In football, Milton Keynes lost last night 3-0 away to Carlisle and Wickham also lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. The weather today, rain or showers, with perhaps, maybe, fingers crossed, a little bit of snow. Three Counties Radio. The Winter Olympics on the BBC. I am the bitter rival, the fearsome force you'll blame. I will thwart your every hope. Nature is my name. Clouds, they mutter wildly. The elements can't be tamed. You will taste my venom before you taste your fame. I am the dire torment to tingle up your spine. Now cast away all pleasantries. It's time to see who'll shine. I can't be bothered. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that's just the most... It's the Winter Olympics. OK, right, fine. Let's celebrate the Olympics that are being held in a place where they've outlawed homosexuality and let's make the trail as dull as we possibly can, shall we? Seriously, if you want to advertise the Winter Olympics on my show, make it sound a bit more exciting than that. I do apologise. It's all right. I've got, I've got a, what I, I believe is described as a little bit of a cob-on today. I'm a Have bit mad. Have you got a cob-on? got a cob-on, yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. Well, come on now. We must solve that. Yeah, we'll, we'll solve it. What can it. I do to cheer you up? Outside, Dance. car park, fisticuffs. You want to have a fight with me? Yes, I do. <laughs> I wanted this from day one. <laughs> I don't want to fight with you. I just want to dance with somebody. I don't know. You did go through a strange period, I remember, when you kept asking me to wrestle with you. Mm. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. gosh, your face has lit up again. I do Look remember at- that. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Is that, is, are you saying that's on the cards as an no, option? there's no chance of that. I don't, uh, I don't get involved in that kind of physical activity. What is on your show this morning? Coming up on... I think you might like this. Well, I think see. you might like this question. Let me, let me see your reaction. On the big phone in this morning, are you a bad parent if you don't stop smoking? Uh, you may have heard this news today yeah. that the House of Lords will vote today on whether or not to ban smoking in cars yep. if children are in the back. The bill has been proposed by the Labour Party, who say if it doesn't become law now, uh, it will when they get into power. Campaigners argue that children who sit in smoky, combined spaces are more likely to develop colds, asthma and cancer. So, is it reasonable to expect anyone lucky enough to have their own children should make the sensible decision to give up cigarettes altogether? All of my friends who now have children who did smoke 
they all stopped smoking when they had children. Yep. And why? Because they've all said, well, you know what, now I've, I've brought a, a vulnerable child into the world. That child is totally dependent on me. Mm. I think it's unfair on that child if I sit here doing something that's damaging my health, shortening my life and making me more susceptible to being ill and then unable to look after that child. Yep. I want your views from Nine on this this morning. Do you think you're a bad parent if you don't stop smoking? Can I find any parents listening from Nine who do still smoke? Do you think ultimately you are a bad example for your children? Would it be far better if you did stop? Mm. Do you smoke around your children? Is it okay if you're a parent who smokes as long as you don't do it anywhere near your kids? Mm. 08459 455 555. Your views on this on this morning's Big Phone In From Nine. We did, we did smoke with kids the other day and we kind of mentioned the thing in cars. I think if you smoke with a kid in the car, shame on you, disgusting. I, that's disgusting. the thing. You see, I don't think anybody listening apart from thickos i don't think anybody is going to suggest that it's acceptable to smoke people in do a car with I children people, i see people do it yeah, they're thick. both they are thick and yeah. they are selfish yeah and the other thing i see a lot and we did it we mentioned this on the show monday monday i think and as i drove out of the studio on monday i saw it some horrible horrible woman pushing a buggy with a fag in her hand so the, the fag is right at face level with the kitty. Disgusting. So are you a bad parent, do you think, if you don't stop smoking? Do you have a duty to stop smoking? I don't know about stopping smoking completely. I, I think maybe, I mean, it's a tough one. I think maybe that you can be responsible. Don't do it in the same room. Don't do it in the car. Don't do it when you're pushing a buggy. But you're shortening your life. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you some people die of lung cancer when they're in their 40s. Yeah. If you've brought a child into the world and you have done something that has actively shortened your life... Mm. Um, in a way that will have a very detrimental effect on the children you've brought into the world. Don't you have a duty to them? You know, if you're, if you're single and if you decide to smoke, that's up to you. It's your body. You can do what you want. But when you bring children into the world, don't you have a duty to try and live for as long as possible, to be around those children for as long as possible? Mm. Your views from oh, mine. You're going to get some... Ang- whenever you- It's a smoking one. Angry, angry people. You reckon? Yo, you, I think you might get one or two angry people phoning in. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. What are you looking at me for? It's your go. Now? Yeah. All right. Bob's on the N twenty five. Morning, Bob. Morning, Ian. Bob, what can I do for you? Well, you're talking about university educations and experience going back over a quarter of a century. And if I look back on the degrees which I've got and the life that I've led, it's not about the quality or the quantity of the university or the educational institution that you went to. It's your ability or the ability of a student to make connections and to utilise their emotional intelligence advance themselves in their careers not about their intellectual capacity or the education that is fed to them or they've acquired that has been my experience why what's happened to you i've had a wonderful life um but i'm listening to the the technical uh, this gentleman from the technical college and i think that technical education is something that should be uh honored and prized if we look at the, this country and the economic state of this country right now, if we compare people who go to get a, a technical education and a vocational qualification, they can be gainfully employed not only in the UK but throughout Europe and perhaps throughout the world. 
if we look at people who have gained a classical education uh, in the arts, fine arts, or the classics from universities such as your Oxford, Cambridge, St Andrews, uh, and other universities like this, the only way they're going to advance themselves is if they have the connections and qualifications into the upper echelons and strata of society. And my experience has been that I've witnessed and seen 25 years ago the people who have gained classical educations advancing themselves to run the financial institutions of this country. Perhaps if these people had vocational qualifications, they would have more empathy and understanding for those people below them. But you're not going to get, get Prince William or David Cameron or people like or Boris Johnson going yeah. and doing, um, you know, three-year plumbing BTEC. Why not? Well, because that's not, that's not where their lives are aimed. Well, but the, your question is an interesting one, Prince. Uh, William has gone to Cambridge University on a 10-week vocational farming qualification. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's roughly what, what he's doing. So it kind of argues against what you've just said. Well, yeah, exactly. Sorry. But he's, no, 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 don't apologise, Bob. You're, you're, you're more than welcome. Uh, but yeah. it, 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 he's not, he, not going to spend the rest of his life getting his hands dirty and milking the cows at three o'clock in the morning, is he? He'll probably do it once in a while, you know, to muck in, but that's not what his life is going to be. Uh, your point is... It's a hobby. Uh, well, it's more than a hobby. Uh, he's going to run the Duchy of Cornwall. I've actually just got back from Cornwall this morning. Yeah, but Bob, he's uh, not, is he? He's not. He's got teams and teams of people that will do all of that. Wrong with that? Well, no, well the, the problem... The point that, sorry, Bob. Yeah, sorry, 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 You're Bob, I mean. Is, that's right. You see? The point, the point I'm making is that if you get a vocational qualification, it's diametrically opposed to somebody with a classical education. And the worst thing that's going to happen to them is they might get a paper cut in the library. Um, if somebody does a vocational qualification, they, can have, they might even acquire an industrial illness, uh, mesothelioma, asbestosis, something quite horrific. Could I that... think that if an education is mixed, and, and people who okay. do these classical educations have field trips and get the hands-on experience, you point at Prince William, you know what, he's going to run his hobby county. Good luck to him. Imagine having Good a hobby county. Wouldn't that be cool, yes. Bob? Imagine yes. having a hobby county. Wouldn't that be fun? All the people in Cornwall are going to kill me next week when I get back down there for relegating Kerno uh, to hobby county status. Yeah. Well, yeah, oh, free Kerno, Bob. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Nick's in Newport Pagnell. Morning, Nick. Good morning, Mr Lee. Nick, what can I do for you? Well, I was just interested to understand that you're actually a time lord. Sorry? Well, you've reincarnated seven times. Yeah, I, th- I think this is probably my eighth time and probably my last time before I move on to the next level, yes. Well, shouldn't you be in contact with Doctor Who? I mean, isn't he a bit sort of hey. lonely, having no other Time Lords about? Well, the Master is still there in the back. In the back. Hey, have you seen the pictures of Peter Capaldi as the new Doctor Who? I have, yes, but I'm, I'm finding it a little difficult to reconcile that with his... Um, Appearance as a sweary man. <laughs> well, you, you, I mean, I, obviously they never would, but you do hope that for a comic relief or something like that, they'll have him effing and jeffing as he fights a, a, a Dalek or a Cyberman. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> that would be absolutely fantastic. Are you a Doctor Who fan, Nick? I enjoy it, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed the, the, the Christmas special. I enjoyed the one with, with uh, John Hurt. Capaldi, do you think he's going to be exciting? Uh, well, he's a... He's a Good actor. Yeah. Um, so whether whether they're looking to raise Doctor Who to another level, perhaps a more international level, I don't know. Um, 
Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I used to sort of sit behind the sofa yeah. and, and be worried about the Cybermen and things like that when I was a bit younger. That's what it's all about. Nick, thank you for your comment. Pictures of Peter Capaldi looking... Uh, well, he looks like a, a, a mod or indeed a rocker. He looks like a rocker with his kind of crushed velvet uh, jacket and with the, the red lining. Nice jacket. He's got DMs on. Uh, it's kind of... It's toned down Doctor Who because normally it's very flamboyant with the scarves or the bow ties or the wacky professor. It's quite... Um, it's going to be butch Scottish Doctor Who. It's going to be exciting. And an, an older Doctor Who. How are the kids going to react to that? Because the ki- for the last few Doctors... The last three Doctors, but, uh, Matt Smith to a certain extent, have been young, attractive, kind of sexy geek. Is there going to be any sort of smouldering sexual tension? Because that would be wrong, wouldn't it? Unless there's they always, get an older oh, assistant. No, there's always been uh, smouldering sexual tension in the last... The new Doctor Who, there's, he's always having it off. Did I say that? He's always having it away with uh, with the young assistants. Yeah, but it's, it's wrong now, isn't there's, it? There's even a hint of bisexuality, wasn't there, with um, John Barrowman, uh, his character from uh, whatever from the, the ridiculous spin-off. Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, no, that's um, oh no, that's the um, Caribbean pirates. That's the Caribbean pirate. <laughs> Captain Jack Dandy. Captain Jack. Jack Danny. Jack. Captain, Captain Jack. Jack. <laughs> oh, hey, four five nine four double five five double five. We, we, we really are running out of steam today. When I joked to the team, "Hey, we've had two go- good shows this week. Don't let's bother f- today." I was, it was a joke, but uh, it turns out we've all taken that seriously. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Last thirty minutes of the show. Vocational courses versus degree courses. Uh, table manners do you teach your maybe when your grandkids come round you're disgusted disgusted by the way they eat we started doing the thing now we really struggle with the eldest to get him to stay at the table goes away once we can get him back goes away twice we can kind of get him back if he goes away a third time the f- get off the table Catherine off I'm just reenacting he goes away a third time we tell him we're throwing his food away and that's it that's it the food oh, I'm hungry you left the table three times. Well, I, I want my supper. It's in the bin. I'm hungry. Tough. It's all these people understand. <laughs> You've got to... Tough negotiations. Exactly. With these guys. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. And if you're a short man, what's your problem? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25, anti-clockwise, there are queues between Junction 19 for Watford and 15 for the M4. The A1M southbound, slow going on the sensors between 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. On Leegrave High Street, the road's partially blocked at Oakley Road by an accident. And on public transport, Chiltern Railways has disruption between Marlebone and Banbury, expected until 9 o'clock this morning. I'm Alice Bossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30, I'm Jane Killick. Four police officers have been disciplined over the death of a vulnerable man in Buckinghamshire. Sean Elliott died after going missing from a care home in High Wycombe in 2011. Ministers have decided to allow some of the most vulnerable refugees from the Syrian conflict to come to the UK. The number is likely to be in the hundreds. The Duke of York is opening the Buckinghamshire University Technical College today in Aylesbury. It provides education for 14 to 19-year-olds specialising in either construction or IT. The weather, showery rain this morning, will clear away, feeling cold in the breeze with a high of 6 Celsius. 
on to sport and in football. Milton Keynes Dons suffered another defeat last night in League One, losing 3-0 away to Carlisle. MK Dons manager Carl Robinson was frustrated with the performance. The players let themselves down, not the club, not the fans, the players today. And they know that. I can't come out here and tell you lies and think that's good enough or he was good. I think there's only one or two in that team that could say, someone turned around and said, is anybody going to say anything? And Stephen Gleeson's opening line, I don't mind this getting out. Stephen Gleeson went, how can I ever go when I was poor? Also in League One, the Stevenage game at home to Crewe was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. League Two side Wickham Wanderers also suffered a defeat, losing 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. Wickham manager Gareth Ainsworth was positive despite the defeat. The boy Rhys Stash was uh, outstanding up front. I thought he held the ball up absolutely fantastic and uh, he's done what I brought him in for. Andy Jeffrey came on, injected a bit of pace. Not as good as he was at, at Mansfield, but there's more to come from him as well. I think we've got a, we're getting the makings of a good squad here and uh, don't look at the league position, look at the performances because I think that um, we're going to turn someone over in, in a big way soon. In the conference, Luton remained three points clear at the top after second-place Cambridge lost 2-1 to Grimsby. In the Premier League, leaders Arsenal drew 2 all at Southampton, Manchester United won 2-0 at home to Cardiff and the Merseyside derby ended Liverpool 4, Everton 0. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at 9. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking about um, degrees versus apprenticeships, and we've uh, mentioned the Mickey Mouse degrees, but Steve makes an interesting point. Ian, in addition to Mickey Mouse degrees, there are also Mickey Mouse apprenticeships. Three, four, or five-year trade apprenticeships with compulsory day-release college attendance throughout used to be the norm. And yet we now have apprenticeships... Apprenticeships... <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Okay, Apologies, it was an accident. No, I did, but I didn't. Well, it sounded like it to me. I did, yeah, well, that's because you've got potty ears. I didn't, I didn't. Yet we now have apprenticeships to work on a hotel reception desk. Is that true? Really? An apprenticeship to work on a hotel desk? No, that can't be true. I can't believe that for a second. Um, text on manners. Ian, I'm a childminder. I'm definitely old school, old skull, it says here, but old school when it comes to manners. All the children I've ever looked after are taught manners, and the magic words are please and thank you. Two hands, uh, two pieces of cutlery. Another thing I use are reins when walking. I can't stand, I used to have reins. I can't stand children running mad in supermarkets. One of my pet hates. It's also a lot safer. Thank you, Carol. Uh, In where? And... um, Oh, just very quickly, we we were speaking in the last hour about um, uh, a gentleman called Sean Elliott who uh, went missing and uh, eventually he was found in a terrible state and and he died. We spoke to his sister Claire. Uh, Sean suffered with uh, mental health issues and also drug and alcohol uh, issues and uh, Sean's family and also the IPCC, the Independent Police Complaints Commission, believed that the police were uh, neglectful in their duties and perhaps didn't do as much as they could have and indeed as much as they should have. We've had a couple of texts on that. Um, Mark in uh, Bedford said uh, that last interview with Claire was very sad and in, uh, indicative of certain elements of Thames Valley in my experience. So much can be done. Thankfully, beds are great. And uh, an anonymous text is very sad case of Sean, uh, well, Sean Bean let down by the system. I think they mean Sean Bean let down uh, by the system. Dave is from Sundon Park. Morning, Dave. 
Morning. Da- what do you want to say, Dave? Um, I was just saying about um, the degree or vocational. Yes. Um, yeah. it, you, you keep talking about it in an either-or situation, whereas I've actually got both. Um, I started off with a degree and then um, went on to do a um, an MVQ and a um, HND at the same time for a, for a job working on ships. So what was your degree? My degree was in chemical engineering. Oh, blimey. So that's like, you're proper clever. Um, some say I don't agree. Okay. <laughs> and then what was, so what was the vocational training in then? Well, I went, um, I went to work as an engineer on board ships. So I uh, got a HND in um, marine engineering and the MVQ was in the, the actual job I did, which was a uh, watchkeeping engineer. And it sort of, it, it, it sort of made, it forced you to add the meat to the bones of um, what you actually learn in the classroom. So what, you feel that you, you, it, the degree gave you the intellectual knowledge, but the, the other two uh, courses, they, they gave you the hands-on, you know, the getting your, your brow sweaty knowledge. That's it. Well, sort of, but it also gives you, it, like, they tell you oh, how to do it, yeah. why you're doing it, how, you know, yeah. what sort of things you have to think about when you're doing it. So it's more... The actual act of doing it. So, do you, Dave, do you kind of, is your work, are you on, on a ship most of the time then? I used to be. I'm no, I'm no longer on a ship most of the time. But yeah, it was four months on, three months off. Blimey, how did you find that? Um, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and who were, you, who were you on with? What, what kind of ships were they? Um, they were very large, uh, carrying the um, natural gas. Oh, blimey, okay, so there's, yeah, there's not a lot. What, when you're on a ship for four months carrying natural gas, what do you lot do to entertain yourselves? Um, well, we work most of the time. Oh, man. You know, um, I was putting in up to 18-hour days. Yeah. Um, but um, outside of that, we used to watch films, read books. Did you not find it a bit lonely? Um, you had your little crew on board, so... You know, as long as you got on with the other people you're serving with, yeah. it's, it's not that bad. Um, the hardest point was when you came home, your friends, had, all the friends you made had moved on, and you sort of were then sort of sat around doing nothing with just your family, so... Wow, so is it, you're saying it was, it was harder when you, when you came back home than it was on the it boat? It was. I yeah, suppose that's a, so. that's a similar thing to university, though, isn't it, as well, actually, where you go away for a, for a semester or term, whatever it is, three months, uh, and you, you're, you're, having, you're, you're with the people at university. When you come back home, I remember doing this at university, I'd come back home, I'd phone up my friends I'd been to school with, we'd go out for a drink, and we'd realise, actually, we didn't have a lot to say to each other. We'd moved on in different directions. Yeah, exactly. Dave, I appreciate your call. Really interesting stuff. Thank you. 08459 455 555. Looking for some more short men to come on. You've got problems, short men. You've got problems. It's not just me saying it. It's a scientific report. Short man syndrome is more than a tall tale. That's according to The Telegraph. And we've all heard of it. Napoleon and Hitler, I believe. I mean, not everyone, not every short man is uh, as, as uh, um, uh, forthright as those two gentlemen. But we do all... Don't we have a little bit of prejudice against short men? That, they're, that we think they're a little bit pushy? They need to be heard a little bit more. Is that, is that true in your experience? According to this report, um, when people would w- perceive themselves as being shorter, they reported feelings of incompetence or being disliked and mistrust. Well, is that real? If you're short, let me know. And if you're, you have experience with short people, 08459 455 555. Glenn's in Leighton. Buzzard. Morning, Glenn. 
morning, Ian. Glenn, what have you got for me? Well, you mentioned Doctor Who earlier on. Yes. And I and, and then you mentioned this new guy about doing effing and jeffing. Yes. Why don't three counties, the team at three counties, do a Doctor Who? You could be the doctor. Oh yeah. JVS could be the master. Oh, I like you. Are you going with this? Yes. Ke- Kelly and Catherine could be your assistants. The, the assistants are supposed to be kind of quite hot, though, aren't they? They are hot. Sorry. They are hot, then, too. Thanks, Glenn. You're welcome. You're not so bad. <laughs> All right, yeah, go on. What, what's, what's... And I don't know about Justin. I mean, Kelly said about Justin could be a Dalek, but... Yeah. I mean, does Justin he even... He could have... be Captain Jack. The bisexual <laughs> time traveller? Yeah. He could be the TARDIS. No, hang on a minute. I don't know. <laughs> How do we get in? Bigger inside than out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Glenn, it's certainly an idea. We're at, Kelly and I are actually going to be making a film about Justin Dealey, where Kelly is going to play the part of Justin Dealey. Well, she might make a better job. I, well, she couldn't do a worse one. That, that's no. Glenn, listen, I'm going to let you go because the line's not great, but that's actually going to happen. I'm gonna... When are we going to do this? Um, next week. I need, uh, maybe I need to um, spend some time at Justin's house to really, you know, grasp his character. and The kids' TV show. Speak to his mum uh, and dad. Maz. Find out more about him and or you could just actions. Or you could just wing it a bit because he's a bit of a chancer. Maybe. I might do method acting and take up smoking as well. Yeah, you should do that. Oh, look, look at Catherine moving away because she's... Uh... Hi, Stephen. Can I pop you through to speak to she's, Ian Lee, she please? She's got Stephen. Thank you. you to speak to Ian Lee. There you go. She's he so does good. fade a one. She's so good. Stephen! Hello, Ian. Hello, Stephen! Hello, mate. What have you got for us, boss? Yeah, just a, it was just a thing I just noticed last night. I mean, I've noticed it over the last few weeks, but last night was really prevalent. Driving back from Hartingford Bree to Hatfield on the 414 last night. Yeah. About 10 o'clock. Um... And just out of sheer boredom of driving along an empty road, I started counting vehicles going the other way. Oh, yeah. 20 vehicles passed me, coming in the opposite direction, and 14 of them had defective headlights. Uh, what? Uh, what? Somebody call the cops! <laughs> well, that's a waste of time. Uh, d- defective, yeah, no, uh, d- 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 the defective headlight annoys me. The problem with defective headlights is you don't know if you've got one. Well, you, the ones that are driving along with their front fog lights on to, to counteract the ones no. they've got headlight out, they, they, tend to, they must know there's headlight not working. I once had a car, uh, my first car, Ford, um, uh, Ford Fiesta, really old Ford Fiesta, got totally ripped off when I bought it, awful car. The first day I drove it to work, uh, I was driving to Milton Keynes, actually, uh, and I was in the fast lane, and suddenly the engine just died, and I was like, oh, God. Anyway, it, it went off and got fixed, and at one point it got fixed to such a weird way that whenever I pressed the brake... My headlights would come on. They would flash on. And so I'd be stopping at a junction or a, or a roundabout, and I'd press the brake, and the other drivers would think I was flashing them on. And it, it nearly caused so many accidents. And it took me three months, Stephen, before I realised what was going on. We need a little indicator, don't we, in the car to tell us that there's something wrong with our lights. Uh, you, you do, but, I mean, we've got indicators. They're called the police, who should be pulling cars over. Yep. With, I mean, it's not, I'm not talking the odd one. I mean, that's over 50% of the vehicles going the other way yeah. have got defective headlights. And in this fog and rain, it's also a safety issue. Oh, no, it is. It's terrible. A terrible you know, thing. I mean, real lights, you can possibly get away with saying you don't know. But if you're driving a car and one of the headlights isn't working... You do tend to notice you've got, especially at night when it's dark, you notice that one's not working. Stephen, I appreciate your call. Thank you for that. 
Uh, I, ha- I have gone periods of time where I've not noticed my he- one of my headlights is broken. My, my uh, last car, the headlight, the right headlight would go all the time. And I wouldn't notice it was broken until I pulled up close behind a car at night time. And you think, oh, I think one of those lights isn't working. Now I've got paranoia about it. Uh, and sometimes it's just the angle of the dangle. But quite often, the... Uh, what am I saying? What is, oh, gosh, that phrase comes from years ago. Uh, uh, but quite often, you can't tell if you've got a faulty headlight. Oh, Can you, Kath? Is it I don't think so. You normally need someone else to do that sign you at you. Yeah. What's that? Nick, Nick? This, Nick, Nick? this sign that's like um, a starburst in your hand. Literally not. I mean, I, I really do worry about the team here this morning. What is that you're doing? You're doing fly away Peter, fly away Paul. Come back, Peter. Come back, Paul. How do they do that? How on earth do this they... This is your right one's out. This is your left how one's do, out. This is they're both out. How do they do fly away Peter, fly away Paul? Where, does it, where do they go? Uh, off the wall. Yeah, but they did. So he goes probably to Africa, depending goes, on the season. He goes up in the air, and then he comes back, and the bird isn't on the finger. Then he does that, and he comes back, and the bird's on the finger. What are you talking he? about? They always come back. But when the first come time, back Peter, come back, Paul. But fly away, Peter. Fly away, Paul. Where's Peter? Where's Paul? They were there a minute ago. They're not there anymore. Come they're back, just Peter. On a, they're just on a, a nearby branch, I think, because they're quite. No, but they're not real birds. Back. They're just bits of paper tied to a finger. I've been on the phone to Pam in Hatfield, so I've missed this. What on earth are you lot on about? Fly away, Peter. Fly away, Paul. Two little digger birds sitting on a wall. Come back, Paul. Yeah, where do they fly? How do they fly away? I've never known how people do this. Is it a trick? What are you talking about, paper? It's fingers. It's fingers. No, they have something on the finger. Yeah, and then you just hide it behind your back. Fly no, but away, when it comes, no, no, you don't hide it behind your back. I saw the fella. I've never seen behind your back. I've come back, Peter. Bring your hand back forward. Bring back, come back, Paul. Bring the other. What hand are forward. you talking about? I've never seen this done with paper. I've only ever seen it done bare-handed. Right. Okay. I'm going to do this. Right, I'm going to do this. This is how you do it. Hang on a second. Right. Okay. Come on. I need to see this. Right. Okay. Uh, a spitty bit of paper. Right. You just put it behind you. This is what no, you don't. Like, is it? Okay. Two di- little dicky birds oh. sitting on a wall. Yes. Yeah. One named Peter. One named Paul. One named Paul. Fly away, Peter. Fly away, Paul. Yes. Come back, Peter. <gasps> oh, that's Come back, clever. Paul. You're like Dynamo, except not as good. <laughs> I'm going to have to film you doing that for our Facebook page. Have you never seen them? Otherwise, it's just fingers. Yeah, what's wrong with just fingers? Oh, I hope Alice is ready. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, a lane is closed after Junction 12 for Flittick after an accident involving multiple vehicles. Queues on the approach there. And the M25 anti-clockwise is queuing between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4. The A41 southbound got delays there between the Hemel Hempstead turn-off and the M25 Junction 20 for Kings Langley. On public transport, Chiltern Railways have disruption between Marlebone and Banbury. They're expected until 9 o'clock this morning. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Do apologise, you have to join us during this muck. 8.45, it's Wednesday the 29th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four police officers have been disciplined for not acting on reports of a missing man from High Wycombe. Britain is to take hundreds of refugees from the conflict in Syria. In football, Milton Keynes lost last night 3-0 away to Carlisle and Wycombe also lost 1-0 at home to Portsmouth. 08459 455 555 coming up. Short people, manners and Peter and indeed Paul. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. Well, it's another rather damp day. I'm afraid we have outbreaks of rain making their way towards us as I speak. It's also pretty cold as well. The wind switch direction overnight is coming from the southeast at the moment. By the end of the day, we'll be coming up from the east itself. Now, we have got this rain moving in at the moment across the western stretches of the three counties. It's just... It, <coughs> Excuse me. Oh my gosh, Kate, you okay? I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just edging its way into Hertfordshire. Okay, you got the cough. Okay. Yeah, the cough is as well, taking okay. over all three counties. Um, and it will continue through much of the day. Not the cough, the rain, that is. And also the wind, that brisk easterly, keeping things feeling rather chilly. Overnight tonight, it's another cold one, I'm afraid. We're hanging on to the breeze. Also some outbreaks of rain, but for some, we'll get some dry spells. And that is when the ice is going to form. Today's rain is going to freeze if the temperature drops down to zero, which is likely in the more rural locations. So the Met Office has issued a yellow weather warning for icy conditions, that potential right the way through to tomorrow morning it's a quieter day tomorrow less wind still some rain but less of it but it's still feeling bitterly cold the maximum for thursday just five celsius and that's your forecast okay thank you very much gonna have a glass of water after the drama in the fa cup Watford take the lead at the etihad stadium troy Deeney makes it two it's back to the league for the hornets manchester city progress to the fifth round of the fa cup Tomorrow night they travel to a Nottingham Forest side who are unbeaten since November. The perfect delivery from the Guggen. Hear all the build-up, uninterrupted commentary on the game and all the reaction with Three Counties Sport. The perfect bullet header from Gabriel Angelo at the far post. Watford away to Nottingham Forest tomorrow night from 7 here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Excellent stuff. Pam's in Hatfield. Morning, Pam. Morning. It's got a bit random towards the end of the show. I don't mind that. What have you got for me? Well, I was going back to what you were saying about headlights and not knowing if you've got one out. Oh, yes. Well, my husband used to regularly check our cars by driving up the drive and looking at the reflection in the garage door. Ah, yes. Now, I, I, I've experienced that. So, sometimes it's difficult, because if you're not straight on, though, it, it sometimes looks like the light is out when it's on. Well, it depends how big your drive is. You know, oh, no, if, you, if you've got a big carriage drive like yours, where you sweep round and yes. you go at an angle. Hang on a second. If he's in his... If you, I'm just... If your fella's in the driveway, in front of the garage, yeah. why doesn't he just get out and have a look? Well, it could be raining. <laughs> <laughs> and how often, how often does he do this ritual to see if he's got one out? Oh, couple, yeah, every month, a couple of months. Or so, you know. <laughs> okay, brake lights. How do you know if you've not got a brake light? <laughs> yeah, you see? Yeah, just... yeah, you reverse up the drive. <laughs> <laughs> Pam, would you ever marry a short man? No. Yeah, you, now you see, because the, the, how tall are you and how tall is your I'm fella? I'm five foot nine. Okay, so you're, you're a good height for a lady. And I, and I was, and all my really short friends at school always had the really tall boyfriends, and I always seemed to manage to get the short one. Oh, no. How tall is your husband? Um, my husband was six foot. Okay, so he's, a, he's got a decent height. But would you ever go out with, with, with someone, you know, you say you did at school because it was all that was left, but as a grown woman, would you ever go out with a, a no. shorty? No, I love that. Have you seen that advert uh, for a make of car, which we can't mention, with the tall woman who's obviously going on these dates with all these short men? No, you can mention the make of the car. Which, what, what, what car is it? It's, uh, I think it's Volkswagen. Okay, no, I've not seen that one, no. Oh, she goes out and she comes. She, she walks up and all these blokes are really short. I mean, she's really tall. She's probably about six foot three, six foot yeah, four. Yeah, that's too tall for a woman. And Well, she can't help it, really. Well, I don't approve. You can get things done. 
Take away a portion and, of the and shin. She, goes, she sees all these short guys, and they all turn out to be really short, you know, walking under the umbrella, and they can't hold it up high enough. Yeah. And then she sees this little car, and she goes, oh, here we go again, you know, short fellow, and this really tall guy gets out, because this car's obviously roomier than you realise. Ah, oh, Pam, thank you very much indeed. What's your problem, Kath? I'm trying to work out how you did that magic. Steve is the milkman. Steve. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Stephen. What have you got Good. for me? You're confused, aren't you, about the magic? Well, I've, wor- I've worked it out. In the, the moment of necessity, I've worked out how to do fly away Peter, fly away Paul. J- Catherine genuinely can't work it out. OK, look. No one's ever done that trick do on me. Do you know this, Justin? What, what are you doing here? Two little dicky birds sitting on a wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. One named Peter, one named Paul. Mm-hmm. Fly away Peter. Oh. Uh... Fly away Paul. Come back, Peter. Yeah. Come back, Paul. I'm doing that when I go home. <laughs> I don't get it. What, what's going on? <laughs> Tis witchcraft. Just, You've got yeah. two things on your fingers that make no sense at all. What's going on? You yeah. just waved your fingers and said something stupid. <laughs> I don't get it. He's not even got it on the being amazed level. He just doesn't get it on the things that are being said level. That's like saying, do you know what? I- I'm touching my scarf. I'm touching my scarf. It doesn't make sense, does what? it? Can you clip that for me, please? <laughs> what? It's, a, it's for kids. Yeah. So imagine you're a kid. Put yourself in the mind of a kid. A yeah. kid. Okay, that was great. Okay. Right. right, so okay. I've got two fingers here. Yes, I can see them. Bits of paper on. Right. Two little dicky birds sitting on a wall. Right. One named Peter. Yeah. One named Paul. But they're not dicky birds, they're bits of paper. Pretend they are, Justin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Talk about dicky birds. Right? Yeah. <laughs> two little dicky birds. Yes. Sitting on a wall. Yeah. One named Peter. Yep. One named Paul. Right. Fly away, Peter. Oh. Fly away, Paul. Ah. Come back, Peter. Come back, Paul. Wow. I see what you've done now. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> oh, that's that's the hot... Forget everything else. Yeah. I just want that little bit to be the podcast Can this week, Can we take please. this out on the streets? Can we try this on the streets at Bedtime and Bugs? Stephen, I've worked out how to do it now. How'd you do it, then? Well, you, can't tell me it's, you can't tell me because it's magic. I can't... Do you know how to do it, don't you, Steve? Yeah. Okay, don't tell Justin, but that this was incredible. Sarah, no, seriously. I get it now. I get it now. I wonder what you're saying for a second. I get it now. Okay, but you, you know, yeah. but you, do you get how the birds disappeared? No. That's, that's the magic, isn't it? I don't want to know the magic. Steve, uh, thank you very much, indeed. Wow, I've blown yours and Catherine's mind today. One of you I thought was relatively intelligent, yeah, the other is my producer. Because I watched more... Oh, thanks. <laughs> I watched more closely at that time. Magic's Kelly, gone. last five minutes, podcast, please. Uh, the last five minutes that have just happened on radio? That's correct, yeah. I don't even think they were worth being on air. <laughs> <laughs> now, Justin, mm. you've got a chance to redeem yourself. Yes. We've yes. been talking about short people, short yeah. man syndrome. We are both mm. tall, elegant, beautiful men. Mm. Um, what, what have you been up to? What, who have you spoken to? Well, this has been quite a tricky report because uh, this report, uh, which comes with high credibility from the Oxford University, yep, saying yep. that um, short men, they are quite paranoid, um, they are quite bitter, they are quite twisted. So they you are quite said short. To me, yes, yes, short as well. So you said to me earlier on, uh, go and find some short men. Well, how do you approach short men and say to them, are you paranoid, are you bitter, are you twisted? Oi, shorty, what's your problem? <laughs> it's, it's one of those reports that, um, um, let's just say, um, could have complaints associated with it. So oh. um, I have done that this morning. I've been talking to short men. I've been asking them about their lives and how it's uh, affected them. And Ian, this is what happened. Jigs, good morning. You are what? Five foot... Five foot four. Five foot four. Five foot four. I say this with the greatest amount of respect, Jigs. Are you bitter and twisted? Not at all. <laughs> 
there's no no harm in being short always looking up so never being never bitter at all I mean you're working here in a shop so have you got a box to to reach to the top it's alright you can climb on something it's fine it's not a problem (laughs) now if I could grant you a wish right now and you could be six foot four if I click my fingers would you take it no well I've always been a rugby player and uh, the saying is the bigger they are the harder they fall so uh I'll stay as I am. Thank you very much. And finding the ladies, has your height ever affected you in your love life? Got a beautiful lady here, so why would I want to be six foot four? <laughs> Absolutely. Life is good, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Fantastic. You're clearly not paranoid. You're clearly not bitter and twisted. I appreciate your time. Thank no you. Problem. Take care. John, being five foot four, you're quite a short man. Yeah. Has that made you paranoid throughout well, your it hasn't life? Really? No, no, it hasn't. Because I tell you what, when I came to England 57 years ago, when I was 19 and I'm 75 now, I was only 4 foot 11. <laughs> so, Hang on, you were 4 foot 11 at 19? When I was 19, uh, I you was. you carried on growing? I, yeah, I carried on growing, yeah. That's unusual, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I worked on the uh, first job in Luke was a uh, bus conductor. <laughs> it is, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. So, yeah. when you were 4 foot 11, were you paranoid then? No. No, I didn't, because uh, I don't come from a tall family. <laughs> so, I, I, well, to tell the honest truth, I never thought about it. Madam, good morning. What's your thoughts on short men? Sorry, I don't speak English. Thank you very much. Thank you. Linda, short men, do you find them a turn on? Yeah, they're all right. How tall's your man? Five foot six. Five foot six. Don't you wish he was a little bit taller, though? He'd love to be taller, but all his family are like that. His mum and dad and all his brothers are all short. Alan, Ian Lee this morning, talking about this new report that says that, that short men can be quite bitter and twisted. How yeah. tall are you? Uh, five foot nothing, I think, something like You're that. You're five foot? Yeah, well, five two, maybe, in heels. You seem quite happy. Are you uh, quite bitter? Are you quite twisted? Oh, bitter and twisted, yeah, definitely. Have you heard the Randy Newman song? That sums it yeah. up, really. Yeah, I mean, people like you, I mean, I, I just... You hate me? I hate you. Two I'm things. Two th- great report. Thank you. Two things. For the whole first minute of that report, Justin's going, seriously, how did you do that trick? <laughs> how, how did uh, b- b- Peter and Paul fly away? How did you do it? Seriously, I can't... How did you do it? <laughs> and you're not winding me up. You don't no, know how no, that... I don't know how it's magic. Know. I know it's magic. And then... <laughs> you're on top form today. Yeah. And then that gentleman there who... Well, tell me about that guy. Yeah, w- when he came to this country, he was, what, 19 years old. He was yeah. 4 foot 11. Now, by the time he got to his mid-20s, yeah. he was 5 foot 4. Um, how does that work? Because I, I thought men stopped growing when they were 18. So how can you be 4 foot 11 uh, well, at 19 and then be 5 foot 4 in your mid-20s? What's his tip? I want to know. Exactly. I'm confused. Well, he, came, he, he moved from another country. <laughs> There's obviously... What country did he move from, do we know? Um, I'm not totally sure, but um, there's got to be somebody... So take a random, slightly offensive guess. Um, um, I don't know. Are you tell did me. he stand in manure? <laughs> That's supposed to help, isn't it? There's got to be somebody listening to this right now who's an expert. Can people still grow after the age of 18? Well, Call me now! Well, your, your ears grow, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but come on. Again, what? the facts are 4 foot 11 to 5 foot 4 <laughs> the after the age of 18. Surely that is not possible. Is he lying? How old is he? Uh, he's now 75. Is it? Well, okay, it's to do with when we went metric. Yeah, that'll be it. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, and this is, uh, you can Wikipedia this, some people got taller when uh, we converted from uh, feet, yards and inches over to metric. Ian, mm-hmm. Ian. Can Distract we him with the again? trick. Distract him with the trick again. <laughs> Fly away, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Fly away, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. When, when is that radio car going to be fixed? Um, hopefully tomorrow. Yeah, we hope. It depends. <laughs> it depends if they can get it out of the garage or not. I want the radio car back. Man, we want I like it. I like cruising around towns in the radio car. <laughs> <laughs>
Don't break it this time. <laughs> yeah. Justin, thank you very much. Thank Excellent you, work. 08459 is the phone number. Too late to call me now, dear listener, but if you want to give uh, Jonathan Vernon Smith, who's up next to call now, is uh, probably a pretty good time to start calling as the switchboard is free. So now you can give him a call. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can... Um, uh, someone wants the video of me doing Fly Away Peter, Fly Away Paul on, uh, uh, on the Facebook page. I don't think so. Justin Dealey's mind is genuinely blown. Yours was genuinely blown first time round, Catherine. Yeah, but I wasn't expecting it first time I know. I've Imagine a, I'm gonna do, I've never done that to the boys. I've only just worked out how to do it. So I shall do that for the boys later on. But just, honestly, all through that report, Justin's going, seriously, how did you do that magic trick? I wonder what else we can boggle his mind with. Well, probably just I don't know. Has he seen? Has he seen like moving pictures on a phone before? Let's try card tricks on him tomorrow. All right, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's blow his mind. If you want to send me an email, uh, you can do Ian Lee at bbc.co.uk, i a i n dot l double e at bbc.co.uk. Uh, a lot of the stories we've had, uh, quite a few stories this week and last week actually, have come from you. So do get in touch, and um, you might find yourself on the air talking about it. It's coming up to 8.59. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice Glossop. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, a lane is closed after Junction 12 for Flittick after an accident involving multiple vehicles with queues on the approach. The A10 southbound is blocked just before Wade's Mill after two accidents, uh, two separate collisions there, and there are again queues. In Northolt, the A40 is queuing a much heavier than normal at the Denham roundabout with queues back to the Polish War Memorial. On public transport, Chiltern Railways have disruption between Marlebone and Boundbury. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Don't forget, if you want to follow Justin Dealey on Twitter, I don't know why you'd want to, but you can do, at Justin Dealey. JVS is up next. I'm back tomorrow at six o'clock. Thank you, Pig Nose. Let's leave the last, last word to Justin, shall we? I think there are people out there with special power. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday, it's nine o'clock, and on today's big phone-in... Are you a bad parent if you don't stop smoking? The House of Lords...